Hello. Why don't you open? Live. I I uh I messed that transition up coming over, but here we are. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. I'm seeing if I can get a virtual background going. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Now we cooking. <laughs> cooking with Brandon. Legacy Week 4,533. Jeez, the fact that you kept track of that. Brandon, welcome to Restream. Yeah, this is, this is new. Yeah, it's nice, huh? Mm. It's smooth. Very smooth. It's smooth. It's the same price as Streamlabs. You don't get all the fancy plugins, but it is concrete and solid, and people don't drop out, and it streams to five platforms at the same price that Streamlabs Ultra goes to two. So nice. I'm pretty happy with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good deal. And right. either of us could just stream on a whim, too, because it's all browser-based. Like, me and Kirk mm-hmm. were streaming Fortnite on the weekend. Oh, nice. Through me. Indeedly do. It is episode 177. Oh, we are live. We are live. Oh shit. I didn't realize we were live live. Okay. No, that's well, what I meant by that's what I meant by we are live. I, I don't know if I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, folks. It is Geek Matrix DC Comics podcast review number. You know what? Shit, I've I've lost track of our number. <laughs> One seventy seven. One seventy seven. Thank you. Legacy totally, four thousand five hundred and thirty three. Totally unprepared because I didn't know we were live. Shit. Yeah. Man. Okay. What What are we gonna we're here. do? <laughs> All right. We're here. While he's catching himself up, everybody out right there now. listening. You can find everything there is to do with the Geek Matrix at our website, www.thegeekmatrixpod.com forward slash links. You'll get all of our links to all of our socials, our podcast, our comic book reviews, and uh, you can even listen to our podcasts on the website and get a link to our Discord. It's all there, man. It's good. It's good stuff. It's good. It's good. It's been quiet this week, actually. It has Discord. been quiet. Yeah. Brandon, why, why, why are you? Why are you so busy, man? <laughs> that's, that's life, my friend. That's, yeah. that's reality when you've got about fifteen things going on. Exactly. But you're almost done the semester. Yeah. Tomorrow is is my last day, which is is nice. So I'll nice, uh, hand in the last take-home exam that i have and then i'm done for a month which is great nice. that's awesome so woohoo! yeah so it'll, it'll be nice <laughs> to have some free time your last semester is what three months uh well how do you mean like how like you have an oh, semester oh before you graduate, yeah no, it's yeah. it's about five months yeah so that'll five months. be oh, okay. like the end of january to the end of may actually no that's that's four months not five Oh, I was man. Let to me the tell you, 
hearing that makes me realize how long it's been since I've been in school and also makes me <laughs> thankful for how long it's been in school. Five, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely feeling that. I, uh, I'll be glad to be done. It'll be nice to just yeah. not have to worry about the school academic grind anymore. Yeah, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to you graduating, dude. Yeah, I got to go out and get a job like a, yeah. like a real adult, I guess. So that's but that's what I'll be doing over break a little bit. It's just setting up a bunch of applications. It, it's dawning on me now, though. When you're done school, mm-hmm. would you be moving back to California or would you stay in New York? No, I'm staying in New York, or at least that's the plan. Um, okay. I still I still really love it here on the East Coast. I have yeah. no desire to go back to California. Even with the cold, I'm, I'm like... I'm firmly rooted on the East Coast. Right on. Welcome, uh, brother. Welcome. You just you, you just broke Oakland's heart, man. Yeah, I know. I well, like here's the thing, right? Like, it'll always be my home. I could go there in a heartbeat, and I love it to death. Even if uh, even if it has its problems, I'll say that much. But um, I just didn't know. I don't know if I could live there yet. Is the thing. <laughs> so now all we it's have to a do nice is nice place uh, to visit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, well, I mean, when you're there for like, you know, 12 years, you're like, okay, I kind of get the sense of it. But after a while, you're like, do I really need to be there forever? No. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't imagine you have any inclination to move back to Detroit, right? Absolutely. Flint. And yeah, absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, you know. no, no. Of course, my, you know, there's there's lead in the water there. So I've got a couple yeah, of reasons. You got, you got some, some real good reasons for not going back. Yeah. Like health. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah, well, yeah. we some somehow we got to convince you to move up north. So, <laughs> to Canada? So, well, not necessarily <laughs> Canada, but like northern, <laughs> more more northern than where you currently live. The only thing that's stopping me from moving to the St. Louis area, which is 13 hours north of where I'm at now, is money. Yeah, that's the only thing. They have, um, I mean, this is, this is no reason to move, but I forget, I think it's, uh, it's, it's some convention. I'll look it up. I've seen a couple of, um, Southern based creators go there, but there's like a really nice show in St. Louis, I think. Oh that, yeah. The fan expo is that. Yeah. St. I think Louis. it's one of the fan expo. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, cause I saw like Matt Kent was there and Scotty Young was there like a, a pretty, pretty decent spread of, of people. So. That's not the yeah. only reason you should move. You should have a, a few other good reasons to move. But I'm saying it's it's where all of Holly's there. family is at, oh, yeah. and um, the school systems there are just off the fucking chain. And you know, you go there and you 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 go to a museum, whether it's history or art or whatever, and it's free to get in. Down oh, here, wow. you pay fifteen dollars to get in, and they yeah. got the exact same exhibits that they had ten years ago. So. <laughs> it's it's just it's just a better place to raise kids plus plus i'd be right next to where i could go to fan expo yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm hoping you guys can swing it one day st louis sounds like a good place to be yeah the game plan is three to five years mm-hmm. preferably right. three and then you got to work on your uh your missouri accent uh, a, dude. Uh, someone who I'm, works at, at the cinema with me who's from St. Louis and, and she always says Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, it makes yep. me laugh. <laughs> that's that's some real homegrown Missouri right there. <laughs> Missouri. 
Yeah. <laughs> Just watch some clips of Harry Truman. You'll get the gist of it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. All right. I, I can't think of what that accent sounds like. Missouri. It's it's like it's southern, but it's like a weird. It's like Texas. It's like a weird southern. It's, oh, it's very like, specific. It's not it, like your standard like American redneck sounding voice. No, for me, it's your standard American redneck sounding voice, but you've got half a baseball in your cheek. That's a good way. Of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a way to put it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Take right a on. little bit of the growl out of Sling Blade. Yeah. Well, it's like I don't know because. Everyone kind of assumes that all Southern accents sound the same, which oh, is, no. is very much not true. <laughs> no, Tennessee is different from Georgia, which oh, is yeah. different from Jacksonville, Florida. Arkansas sounds Northern. Mm. Texas is, there's like four different accents in Texas. Because a lot of my family is like kind of spread out across the South. So my, my mom's side of the family is like from Mississippi, Florida area. And then so my dad's family is in like the Texas area. And they're like as different as you can be. They they don't oh, yeah. sound as, but everyone's like, oh, like southern. It all has that same sound. I don't know yeah, how we got no. into this conversation, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were talking about Missouri. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Even that. Even that famous Georgia accent. Ain't nobody got that here. <laughs> no. Nobody's <laughs> got that famous Georgia accent down here, sweetie. That is just not a thing. Mm. If somebody talks like that, they're phony. Yes. So, <laughs> so like I've I've been to Atlanta a couple times and like that accent is non-existent, at least with some of the people in Atlanta. It is a lie. Yeah. It's like in the north. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you go to Detroit, it doesn't have the Michigander accent. It's mm. it's 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 like a blend of everything. Yeah. But if you step outside of Detroit or Flint or Grand Rapids or Ann Arbor, everybody talks through their nose and it drives me crazy. Growing up there, I'm like, breathe out your mouth. <laughs> it's all that lead. It's all that lead, and I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> Can't handle it. It's bad. But uh, speaking of bad, my man, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 books I read this week. Jesus. That's impressive. No, oh, that's not true. It was 19 because I haven't gotten to Batman Justice Buster or Superman versus Meshi yet. So, well, shit. What's, what's your, uh, I'm actually curious, what's your number, what's your record number of issues in a single day? Oh boy. Uh I wanna say it's like twenty-six. Ooh, okay. Back around the well, it was like right around um the metal death metal era. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe right before that, but yeah, it was like twenty-six in a week and it was yeah. insane. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. I think the the peak I hit was I think it might have been 60, actually. I don't know. Jesus. In a, in a 24-hour period. Because I, I was like... Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a longer story to this, but... but um, yeah, but you weren't writing short, reviews and shit, though. To, to make it short, it was basically like I was really stressed out because I was I was waiting for a, 
uh, an important decision um, about college. And so I just, I had, cause it was, it was during spring break. So I had a lot of free time and I basically just within 24 hours read the entire, uh, reread the entire Jonathan Hickman Fantastic Four, which is exactly 60 years. Oh, um, I mean, that's I a hell of a good read though. though. I can yeah, see yeah. that though. It was, it was a lot, not... but, but I, I would, I would not recommend doing that again. Cause I think, I, I don't know. It, it probably depends. I know there are some people who are just built different, but like for me, my my upper limit is usually thirty issues, and then my head starts to hurt because it's yeah. just too much information. Um, but like going beyond that, it's like you start you start seeing into other dimensions, and it gets a weird. <laughs> it just I don't know. It's like because it I think it got to a point where like I just I, I was I was starting to feel like I wasn't tethered to the world, which I know sounds like I was on drugs, and I might as well because my uh, mind was yeah. so unchained. But yeah, it's 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 too much. That's too much. It's it, it is a lot. Sixty, Jesus. Yeah, I yeah. can I can see that though. I really can. Mm-hmm. In a twenty-four hour period. Oh yeah, when you're when I you're going, see. like you're really just flying through yep. it. Then, yeah, yeah. You can that's, just you can move through it, but but that's that's reading one title, one yeah. one run all the way through, which yeah, exactly. is like. A it, whole different ball game. Oh yeah. Than it was, reading it was, sixty different it's fucking just titles. One story, right? If I had read, <laughs> like, you know, twenty issues of Hickman's Fantastic Four, and then like fifteen issues of Detective Comics, and then twelve issues of Ex Machina, like my brain would have broke because it's just it's too much. It's, to keep it's too much. Right, you're like reading Ex Machina, and you're like, "I thought Johnny's. Where the fuck did Johnny Storm go?" I know, like, wait, <laughs> yeah, that's the worst when you start like mixing plot yeah. points. You're like, wait, is, yeah. that, is that? Is that? It's like flipping um, through Superman, and you're like, in your head, you're still stuck on like, the plot from you're like, Baby Teeth. <laughs> you're like, you're like, wait, isn't wasn't the thing in the last issue? And you're like, wait, no, that's not even that's not even that's, right. Um, not even the same publisher what's wrong (laughs) well speaking of reading a ton of stuff i think we should put you to the test and see how much you remember this week oh boy well i write it all down so (laughs) i'm good got a little bit of a clutch but uh man alive all right so the honorable mentions that i Mm -hmm. dug through today world's finest teen titans number six superman lost number nine batman gargoyle of gotham number two Batman City of Madness, number two. Wesley Dodds, the Sandman, number three. Batman, Santa Claus, Silent Night, number two. Waller versus Wildstorm, number four. Birds of Prey Uncovered, number one. Wasn't a lot of reading in that one. Danger Street, number 12. DC's Twas the Might Before Christmas. Batman, number 428, for simile edition. Had to reread that. Read that one twice uh batman <laughs> justice buster number six and superman versus meshy 12 quite a lot that's quite a lot that's just the honorable mentions our main show is going to be speed force number two batman and robin number four outsiders number two and green lantern number six and then the bonus show titans beast world number two titans beast world tour gotham number one detective comics number 1079 and action comics 1060 i'm out of breath just reading the fucking titles 
<laughs> Good. Can you think straight? <clears throat> no, I posted in chat. It's like, I'm not sure, but I think I might be Batman. I'm not. <laughs> well, well, we'll see if you're Batman, if you can keep track of everything. Yeah. One of Batman's memories is unbeatable. So we'll have to mm -hmm. put you to the test. Test away. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Josh will be going through Detective Comics. It's like, mm. wait, wasn't wasn't he fighting a gargoyle or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to well, God, we, he was we got some. We got two announcements that happened this week from DC that I'm sure will be shown more in the solicit next week. Mm. Um, I showed one. Josh showed one earlier today. Um one kind of spins out of World Tour Gotham, though. Is it Gotham or is it Metropolis? Probably Metropolis because it's also it, it, yeah ties into was last, the last yeah ties into the backup for act one of the backups for action. Oh no, yeah, it spins out of Action Comics this week. That's yeah. right, but so also also the way off. East world. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are getting a Suicide Squad book of sorts. Um, Suicide oh, Squad Dream Team. Uh, which will feature Harley Quinn, Bizarro, and Dreamer in a new version of Task Force X. And it's an ongoing, very surprising so far, that's an ongoing from Nicole Maines, Eddie Barrows, and Eber Ferreira. That, that should be coming in April. has me very interested. I, yeah. I'm just, I don't know. I, I, I think it's cool, potentially. but Potentially. My, my only thing is like, this is just a minor thing, but it just made me laugh. And I'm like, do they only have Eddie Barrows on retainer to do like team books at this point? <laughs> <laughs> was, like, he did Task Force X. He did like a couple fill-ins for Justice League. I want to say he did some other stuff, but with the exception of like Urban Legends and then doing some of the stuff in Action Comics recently, like it feels like he's just been the the Task Force guy. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. His his art is like always great, but mm -hmm. I just find that funny. Hey, when you got a wheelhouse, you got a wheelhouse. Mm. <laughs> um, and I don't have it pulled up, Josh. Did you want to give us the rundown on the other one? I don't remember what it was. <laughs> okay, I'll just see if I can pull it up real quick. The the it's Apetastic. Oh right. Yes. Um. Uh, it's uh the April special number April. one, written by yes. John Layman. Joshua Hale, Felkoff, and Jean Luen Yang with art by Carl, Carl Mostert, Phil Hestert, and Bernard Chang. Um, and a main cover the, from Dan Mora. The main cover is from Dan Mora. There's a few different themed variant covers. One from Hayden Sherman that mm -hmm. has been said to be banana scented. <laughs> Which is, I don't know what that means, but... It smells like a banana, but as yeah. uh, if you look it up, you see the cover. Um, it's as it suggests. It's a team of uh, Beppo the Super Monkey, Bobo Detective Chimp, Monkey Prince, Gleek, and uh, Sam Simeon. Sam Simeon is like the only one I'm not familiar with. Uh, I think you should. Well, you should. You should vaguely remember him because he was a minor character in Rogues. Um, Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're, yeah. Detectives. Right, I remember him now. He's a, another history outside of that, but just I was thinking like where you might have heard that name before recently. Yeah. Is it? It's like one. It's it's you know what? Honestly, dude, it's it's pretty. 
forgivable for you not to be able to keep track of all the fucking monkeys in DC. <laughs> um, is, is it too far for me to want them to include? I, I don't even know if there was an issue with the character. Now I just remember him from Justice League, uh, Congorilla. There, there's Congorilla. There's the five that I mentioned for this book. There's yeah. Monsieur Mala. There's yeah. Grod, Grod. There's the like four supporting characters from Grod, and I can't think of, of any of them right now. No uh, Ultra Humanite. Ultra Humanite. Oh my yeah. God! There's just so many apes. Yeah, but Mala, Humanite, and Grod are evil. Yeah. How have they, they never formed apes. an evil league of apes? What? Just because they're apes? It's called Gorilla. That's a little short-sighted of you. <laughs> hey, I'm a, I'm a Green Lantern fan. Okay, they all do, wear the same fucking all, suit. <laughs> you saying all apes have to stick together? <laughs> oh well, you're sound, you're you're sounding a little dangerous territory. <laughs> you're sounding Biology, a little well, I, was, Rob. I was I was actually I was going to make a joke because anthropology would say yes. Most most do tend to flock towards the alpha. Yes. Um, Towards the alpha predator, but but that's what but, I'm, like that's but, that's the, the idea you have there is like which one of them they they could like all end up trying to go after the same crime or something, yeah. and then they fight over who the alpha is. Well, yeah, I guess yeah, that would be the question: who would be the alpha? Yeah. Personally, well, it would my boil down to Grodd, but I would Grodd, say Grodd, yeah. humanite, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, Mala or, is more. Of a Mala would yeah. bust well, some ass. Mala, Mala's got like up. raw, you know ape strength and he's got intelligence but he doesn't have like any other powers so i feel like he's kind of short set there i mean current yeah. grod still has access to the speed force yeah and telepathic which is weird and telepathic. yeah yeah either way I guess, I, uh... i'm i'm stoked for john layman to be writing this i'm so fucking happy he's doing this <laughs> i don't know how familiar you guys are with john layman but he rocks yeah, no, he's he's uh, well. I've never read Chu. I know. Sue me. You should. Um, but I but I have read. Um, weirdly enough, his run on Detective, which I feel like kind of gets overlooked in the. In I the don't general, even think like, I knew we had one. Yeah, no, it's it's like I wouldn't say it's great, but it's very consistent, which I think is kind of rare for some of the titles of the New Fifty Two. Um, and also, it had like oh, was it like New Fifty Two? Really, yeah, yeah, because oh. that was like the whole Emperor Penguin stuff. I don't know if you remember that. Like his yeah. son. How the hell did you forget? Son of a Emperor bitch! That was Penguin. my yeah. favorite arc from Detective Comics. Yeah, yeah. I, I know people kind of like scoff at uh, was it Gothopia or whatever, but I, I at least I'm like there, there's some good stuff there. So um, as far as that goes, too bad. It was yeah. just weird. Mm -hmm. But this I is like a loved this is like a, a, a weird collection because you've got John Layman and then Joshua Hale Fialkov. Which I don't know how familiar you guys are with him, but he did um, I Vampire with Andrea Sorrentino during the oh, New okay. 52. That was you like, got, it was pretty good up until the end. You got, you've got, you've got um, I Vampire, you've got um, Chew, and Monkey Prince. Yep. Wildly different writing. It's <laughs> yeah, really weird. Yeah. I'm really curious about were those, what this is going to Were those like. the only two writers mentioned, or was there Three. another one? Three. John Layman, yeah. Joshua Hill, uh, Fialkoff, and mm. Gene Wen Yang. Oh, okay, okay. Which is where Monkey Prince comes from. I guess yeah. maybe they've all done like supernatural or supernatural adjacent works. Maybe I, they've I, all written about apes before. Maybe. Well, well, actually, yeah, I guess Monkey Print. Well, 
not an ape, but they're <laughs> part of the, yeah. the family of yeah, uh, yeah, close primates. Close so enough, they've all primate got primate family. stuff going on. Yeah, I guess technically all of us. That anyway, <laughs> that's like that deep. Logic. Yeah. I've read too Let's many comic books to get into science. Yeah, <laughs> the point is anthropology course. <laughs> point is this, this book is leading towards the forming of the jungle league oh yes the jungle league that's what yes. it's called <laughs> not the not the jl ape i know they've already done that but that's I, well yeah but that's that's the that's the <laughs> morrison justice it. league as gorillas i that's know <laughs> I'm just like, come on. well that and you know i mean detective <laughs> chimp is a chimpanzee beppo is a monkey monkey prince is a monkey gleek is a monkey uh, monkey prince is a god look jla sounds also better monkey. than jl primates okay so, yeah. <laughs> there you go yeah are, are all the x-men men then i think we can have a little leeway with jla that's all i'm saying <laughs> everyone knows a snazzy title is better than accuracy <laughs> no <laughs> don't I mean, get me into that because then i'll start on my covers thing at the uh, same way you could still argue that jungle league is not 100 accurate either because not all of these people to spend time in the jungle that's true no but they are animals that are associated with the jungle you're associated with the jungle <laughs> don't tell people that <laughs> all of us were at one point at my one point. secret identity is lord Greystoke. <laughs> it's tarzan mm -hmm. whatever crickets <laughs> <laughs> it fell on deaf ears yeah one second. Hands are getting dry. And now I'm seeing a Reddit post, I shit you not, that says, given his experience with eight movies, would you like to see Matt Reeves direct an adaptation of the beloved team JL8? No. <laughs> which, I, which I think is clearly a joke, but <laughs> I, I do find that really funny that, like, if you could go from Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and, like, all that stuff <laughs> to directing JL8 Guerrilla Warfare. Who knows? It could be his magnum opus. Who whose movie? I I because I typed in JL Ape into Google and I saw a Reddit post that said, "Given his experience with eight movies, would you like to see Matt Reeves direct an adaptation of the beloved <laughs> JL Ape storyline?" Now I'm like, I don't know, maybe, maybe no. we laugh, but it could be it could be really good. You never know. Yeah. No. So so I was a kid, obviously, when JL Ape came out, and Josh. Yeah. Being not a kid, uh, I I know I loved the idea of it, but being not a kid at the time, you were more in tune to the crowd. Was it actually well received, or was it looked as dumb as fuck? Where I was at, it was more like um, it wasn't looked at as dumb as fuck. It was it wasn't considered to be like a serious thing. It was just a fun book to get into. Mm. Like, Fair we'd enough. laugh about it when I'd go to my LCS. We'd be like, where's a fucking JL8, man? <laughs> Super monkeys. But, yeah, it was a good time. I, I don't remember anybody really shit-talking it. But then again, it wasn't... A, the internet wasn't what it, you know, is back then. So. Yeah. There's yeah, no probably going somebody on that AOL, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Complaining about the latest issue of JLA, I could, I can, I can assume that was not it, or Netscape or whatever. 
Netscape was a browser. browser. AOL <laughs> was an instant messenger. And what you're looking at would have been Yahoo or Excite Chat. Yeah. It was it was their um uh oh my god, what the hell was it called now? The their MSN screen name was just JLib sucks. JLib sucks. Hotmail. Oh yeah. My yeah. god. Okay, that's enough of that. Oh, I'm God. hearing a modem dialing up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brandon, do you, and I don't mean to be ageist here, but like, I'm, I mean, already, I'm the youngest. I've been, so I've been a speciesist already, so I may as well yeah. go for ageism. Uh, do, do you remember MSN Messenger? No, that's, that's before my time. Oh, or at least before yeah. any time that I can, can remember at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, that was, my middle and high school oh i see yeah yeah no it's i mean i don't i don't want to make you guys feel the age but yeah even even for me like the the concept of instant messaging and that thing was kind of like already very much a thing by the time i was you know entering my teenage years so it's not that long ago (laughs) technically it was instant messaging back then Mm -hmm. yeah my favorite thing was when that app called trillion came out and you could just plug all of your different instant messengers in there, and they were all in one spot. That's pretty cool. I never heard about that. Mm. Oh, yeah. Huh. Good times. Mm. Back 2005 and before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That makes me sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. We should probably get into the books, considering yeah. the sheer volume of books that we've got to cover. Oh, excuse me. No. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yes, I think we should. And we're going to uh, run right on over to our first one, which is Speed Force number two. I'm scrolling down the wrong page. <laughs> one minute. Oh, my God. I had it ready, and then I did the wrong thing. All right. This is Speed Force number two, written by Jarrett Williams with art from Danielle Di Nicuolo and Francesco Motorino with colors from Andrew Dalhouse and letters from Dave Sharp. <clears throat> Excuse me. Fuck it. Oh, he's not he's not going to read the cover. <laughs> Cuz it's Diodato. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> no, I, I miss I literally missed that. It's it's I, hard I, to I didn't see. yeah, I, I didn't even see that in the credits. Yeah, a cover from the Mike next Diodato. Person. And uh, Jow, I, I pardon me if I butcher your name. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, 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 Canola, but Not very cover by Sweeney yeah. Boo. I don't know, all right, yeah, all right. So, uh, this issue heavily features Mr. Terrific, um, exactly three hours prior to the attack that we saw in the first issue, Attack. Uh, where all the scientists at Star Labs went missing. Scientists at his own company mysteriously went missing as well. And he gets a little rundown of uh, just how much money he's losing, uh, missing out as projects being worked on in comparison to every other fucking billionaire company on, um, I, I guess, this side of the planet. Um, also, his therapist is trying to get him to have a little bit more fun, but he's too invested in work because he's Mr. Terrific. He's awesome. So he meets up with our speedsters and Roundhouse. Uh, Gotta love Roundhouse. And they get him on the... 
did they name it? What music app? Music app? Yeah, the whatever <laughs> that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's yeah, call it Tunify. Tunify. Uh, so yeah, this this music social media app, uh, which we now know is run by Music Meister. Um, and that's his few minutes of fun before they get down to work. Uh, Superboy arrives, Connor, Superboy, and they all split ways in order to try and figure out what's going on. Uh, Connor and Wallace going up to the Fortress of Solitude to get a lead on Maz y Menos. <clears throat> and they do just that. Um, and Wallace heads off to try and figure that out. Uh, try and try and find them. That is, uh, Star Labs are back at Star Labs. Sorry, something in my throat bugging me. <coughs> Excuse me. Avery is running around uh, trying to find anybody that is potentially in the building, but there is absolutely nobody uh, trying to find any clues at at all. Uh, and then all of a sudden, all of Mister Terrific's T spheres go rogue and start attacking everyone. Uh, Mr. Terrific is trying to do what he can uh, to lock them down, but there's too many to deal with. So as they're calling on Wallace, he's running across the ocean uh, trying to find the the last known spot of Maz and e, Maz e Menos, uh, but runs into an invisible wall and falls into the ocean. Um, using his speed, he's able to, I guess, swim very fast through the water and finds uh, there's an underwater base here that's being invisible. Um, that's when we get a look inside the base. Uh, actually, no, sorry, this is in Metropolis, not inside the base, uh, at a press center where the app is making, uh, at least the people running the app are making a huge announcement. Uh, and as we see the man named Isaac Bowen, oh, Oh, and that's why I couldn't find the name because I was <laughs> I searched the wrong name. Uh, Isaac Bowen is the CEO of the Symphony app. Sorry, there isn't a name for it. Um, and he is announcing the first ever Symphony Music Fest taking place outside Keystone City. Uh, and it promises to be messy. Also, Mazi Menos have insane drip. And. <laughs> For some reason, Music Meister's there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I went to Google Isaac Bowen, but I apparently misread the name and thought it was Isaac Brown and couldn't find anything. So I don't know if this character has a history. Uh, if you guys recognize him. I don't. I don't. No. Okay, so it might be an original character. Mm. That's just the reveal seemed very like, oh, look who it is. You recognize him? And nobody recognizes him. So who knows? This this series is is odd. Where, like, I don't hate the story, but it definitely feels like it's supposed to be bigger. Um, and when you have a first arc where the villain is Music Meister, it doesn't really feel that big. So, at least the, the marketing really made it a push to feel like this is going to be a huge thing. There's another flashbook. You get these two beloved characters, and they're going to go off and do great things. Something called the Speed Force. Maybe they'll investigate the Speed Force. But, no, we're getting music mind control. Uh, and it's almost weak sauce to me. Uh, I'm not in love with the series right now. I, I do like Dina Coelho's art, though. So that's a lot of fun. The colors are good. Um, oh, you found him. The mm. Fiddler. 
I just I didn't recognize his uh, his secret identity, but I do. Yeah, another fiddler from you know right. society. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting a lot of sound-based villains. Mm-hmm. Um, putting money on Pied Piper showing up at some point to try and stop them. Can't think of who else is sound-based. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, rat catcher. Right. <laughs> no way. No, that's just Pied Piper. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, no. Well, that's just rude. Yeah, I don't know. This, so this... I don't know how you guys are feeling about it, but like, I'm not in love with this book. I'm going to be honest with you. I was really excited for it, but I'm just kind of like, not exactly disappointed, but not really happy about it. So it's... Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give it a 6.5, if only for Dinicolo's art. Yeah, I, I gave it a seven. I kind of feel a similar way. Like I wasn't expecting it to be big because I always imagined it was going to be more of like an ancillary flash title, like nothing major, just kind of uh, Ace and an Avery getting into fun adventures. Um, my biggest problem, though, is not so much with the lackluster story; it's just kind of with the writing, which is I don't know if this is like a someone doing comics for the first time, still kind of getting used to the dialogue quirks, but it's just. Sometimes it reads really weird, um, and and the pacing is kind of, I don't know, something's a little off. So uh, for me, like it's not bad. It just it like this kind of needs a little bit more polish, um, and and I, I don't I don't know I don't know how much you can really do in six issues, but for now it's just it's like very standard, not exceptional. But I will give the the book brownie points for unearthing a really old young justice reference which is wendy the werewolf stalker which is like the dc's version of, of buffy the vampire slayer because wow, peter david was trying to be funny yeah. um, and so as so i saw that i was like oh that's cute that's funny and of course connor would be a fan because you know he's he's a 90s kid so yeah no seven out of ten uh nicola's art is definitely propping up the book for for me as well right on uh uh <laughs> let me um okay so mr terrific has his whole team of engineers disappear and his initial reaction is to worry about losing money and whether or not bruce wayne will be able to gloat um and once he meets up with the team to help find the engineers they all stop so that they can get him to sign up for a music streaming service. Connor calls Wallace Holmes. And it doesn't even, I mean, I, I call people Holmes all the time. I call I use homie all the time. That's normal. Connor has never ever talked like that. The, and it doesn't just stop there because Kella Kellex says, What's up, Connell? Uh, uses the term on brand to describe Connor's patience. And fine, and and then he finally says, "Finally, some respect in this joint." He threatens Connor with red sun exposure, and everybody in the book calls everybody else fam. And, and in the middle of all of Alex, this going uh, on, Alex got his Gen Z update. His twenty-eight, <laughs> oh, it's his new operating system. Oh my god! Got to keep him. I guess. Up to speed. In, in the middle of all this shit going on. Kellex stops and suggests that he and Connor binge watch an entire season of a TV show. Entire yeah. season. Yeah. Um, Crisis be damned. 
Yeah. <laughs> Look, you gotta you gotta finish your Wendy the werewolf stalker. The the world exactly. can wait. It's important. I, yeah. I guess so. For me, the art starts out really unimpressive. It gets better as the issue moves on in some places. The story and the dialogue is complete trash. I feel like Joshua Williamson and Brian Michael Bendis had a baby, and this is what that baby wrote. Um I could say more, but I don't see what the point is. I, too, wanted a Flash family book for a long, long time with a name like Speed Force. You'd think that's what you're getting. Um, instead, I got a book with two speedsters out of a five-person cast, six if you count Kellex. And if you count the bad guys, it's four speedsters out of nine. So, ultimately, the story sucks, the dialogue sucks, and the title sucks. It should just be called Spotify Be Trippin', Fam. Uh, I I, I couldn't get it. I'm not a big fan of Dina Cuolo because she is a little, she's not um, consistent from page to page. Oh, yeah, I keep on forgetting it. I keep on forgetting. Yeah, it's okay. Everyone did the same thing with uh, Simone DeMeo. Yep, I do. I do too. Boy, Um, my, my, uh, youngest goes to school with a, 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 a boy named Danielle. So I, I, uh, I should know better. But in any case, um, what I do know about this one is it's only getting a 3.75. Or three. Damn. I mean, I get it. I completely get it. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm not a fan of the, the like, like, the writer is just like, either the writer is super young or it's just thinking, what what do teenagers think? It's the opposite. Oh, yeah, super, it's super, like Brian well, Michael Bendis. Well, yeah, right? he, like even a quick Google search reveals that he is um, six years younger than Josh. I'll just say that much. You can do the math. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember. You how remember how old I am? I forget said, how old I am. Nineteen seventy-eight, right? Seventy-nine. 79. That yeah. I remember. So okay. like five years five or something like that. If, if our audience can do math, you've already figured that out. Right. So, but, I but mean, suffice it to say, no, this is not a, a young person. And it no, this is somebody is. trying to write for young people and they should. Yeah. I think maybe, I think maybe uh, Jarrett Williams should take a crack at uh, Vic Sage or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't do teenagers. Nope, it doesn't work out for you. No, that's nope. You know, it, it doesn't work out for teenagers as Batman either. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hell no, fam. Yes. Speaking uh, of, of Simone yeah. de Mayo, it's a great way to segue. <laughs> right, Batman and Robin number three, four. 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 I know it feels like Fuck. we're we're just speeding yeah. right along, um, much to, no, you're, you're to going the pain backwards. of others. You hear me? Backwards. Yeah, no, you're you're transitioning the wrong way. What? You said speeding. Oh. <laughs> Wait. Wait, I'm so he, he's, he's picking on word choice. Oh, oh, you're, oh, I was like, I was like what's happening? You're, you're we, we transitioned to me. Batman, and you're transitioning <laughs> back to Speed Force. Like, no, we already did that. No, no, no. I want to, yeah, I want to talk about the Flash. No, yes, this is uh, uh, Batman and Robin number four, as delivered to us by one Joshua Williamson, with art by Simona DeMeo and Mikel Hanin. Colors from 
Romulan Fajardo and Jeremy Cox, which is surprised to see. Uh, letters from Steve Wands, and I, I guess if we're doing covers, a cover from Simona DeMeo, and I assume also colors from Simona DeMeo. Um, is this really? Name? See, I thought it was. I thought I I thought because it's not credited, but I thought it was Yanine and Cox on the cover. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. No. That's that's uh that's Simone Yeah. I can right. I can tell by his style. Um. But our issue. I'm opens... not one to argue with Brandon. That's for damn sure. Yes, I got I got my library <laughs> up here, which I'm, I'm slowly trying to build back up. I've I've been filling it with all this useless historical knowledge for the past three months or so. But anyway, let's see, let's see how my retention is uh, for this week, at least. So we cut back to uh, another flashback as we've had a few times in the issues so far with Damien undergoing yet another training exercise with mistress harsh. It's being tested on like random military history facts and is able to dispel with the league of assassins trainers pretty easily. But of course, mistress harsh is, terribly unimpressed um despite the fact that damien got everything correct and took down the guards pretty easily from uh, from what we can tell but mistress harsh uh much like our our beloved co-host josh is a very harsh critic um to the point where <laughs> to the point where i where i might even say that uh, mistress harsh would call damien's performance mediocre uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I was thinking about that all week too, and I was like, "Oh man, I can't wait!" Um, but, I can uh, already hear Holly laughing her ass off. <laughs> but, oh my uh, god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but um, Damien is not going to accept this criticism lightly. Um, probably much like I would, and lashes out at Mistress Harsh. Though I hope Josh doesn't respond to critiques of his own criticism in the same way, because uh, as Damien lashes out, Mistress Harsh basically backs hand, whoa, backhands him uh, and informs him that there is so much that he does not know. Uh, but this was not the wise thing to do, seeing as how Talia was present for Mistress Harsh lashing out at her son and is, is quite upset at the fact that he would dare to strike, uh, to strike her darling boy. Um, Mistress Harsh is pleading her case, basically saying that, you know, she is the only one that can really see Damien reach his full potential. But of course, Talia is not going to have anyone lay a hand on her son, at least no one that isn't her. So she asks Damien whether or not she, <laughs> right. she feels um, that Damien needs Mistress Harsh anymore. And of course, this is this is pre-Batman Damien. So he's a lot more cocky and a lot more self-assured, um, at least then, than he is now. Uh, and basically says that, you know, Mistress Harsh can get fucked, um, which leaves okay. her to get dragged off by the League of Assassins with a promise that one day Damien will need him. And that's where we cut to the Gotham Zoo at the secret, not so secret base of Manbat and Shush, where Manbat has taken uh, Robin uh, captive, given that he tried to, to break into the place in the last issue. Um, but of course... It's only a matter of time before Batman and White Rabbit show up uh, to rescue Damien and make sure that his plans don't progress anymore. Man Bat is giving the standard dialogue that, uh, that he's been giving in the past couple issues that Gotham is seeking a new protector, that its evolution is assured, um, and that the, the new protector will be the superior, the apex Batman, or Man Bat, if you prefer, um, and decides that the best way to find out which of them is better 
is to release a bunch of bats and have them choose, which of course, given that Batman is still infected with the pheromone that he was shot with in the first issue, all the bats are flocking to him and swarming him. Uh, White Rabbit, on the other hand, is trying to free Damien, but of course he's kind of got everything covered um, and really only needs a, a minor a bit of help to, to get himself free. Um, Shush is planning to take out White Rabbit, but Man Bat informs her that the time is not quite right and that they're going to take their departure until they have a more opportune moment to strike. And then in a, a rather strange series of moments after Damien has saved um, Dr. I'm blanking on his name. Um, Dr. Yeah, something like Ka that. Kafira? Dr. Kafira, that was it. Um, after Damien checks in on Dr. Kafira and makes sure that he is okay for the most part uh, before asking if there's some kind of cure, Batman does something which is still kind of odd to me, but basically tames the bats by... Uh, well, I'll, I'll use a quote that uh, man, not man bat, but uh, white rabbit says later, basically goes alpha on them um, <laughs> and uh, has them but submit to his authority. Down. Yeah. yeah, which uh, as we find out later in an examination sequence, um, the pheromone that was in Batman's body had worked its way through by that point. But of course, the, the larger question that white rabbit has is, was that before or after you, you know? basically like boss on him yeah. um, but in any case questions or unimportant questions aside they shift towards something that's more important which is these strange experiments that have uh, been going on with the terrible trio and really are, are a hint towards man bat's larger experiments um as to what the lasting effects of them may or may not be um Kefira suggests that there's some kind of rage that lingers with the transformation and is worried of what that could potentially uh, mean for Gotham City in the future. We cut to a scene later where the dynamic trio uh, featuring Robin, Batman, and White Rabbit are debriefing on the roof, but of course Batman, as stubborn as he is, informs her that she still has to go back to prison because she did have a hand in executing all these schemes. And of course, she's going to leap, she's the White Rabbit, she's going to try and get away from the scene we have a nice little moment where Damien and uh, and Bruce or Batman and Robin are going to chase after her and see which one gets her first. And whoever does gets bragging rights. Our last segment of the issue finally sees Damien return to school, much to his uh, disappointment, and is still questioning why he even has to be here. And that's when Bruce meets Mistress Harsh, or supposedly Mistress Harsh, acting as the principal, uh, Dr. Stone, um, who is sort of questioning Bruce's ability to correctly parent Damien, correctly parent Damien, um, before going off with one of the other teachers. And that's when Damien informs his father that Principal Stone, Dr. Stone, may just in fact be a former instructor of his, potentially Mistress Harsh, if all the hints uh, are, are what they seem to be, and may also be Shush, which basically gives him the the reason to attend school that he's been looking for all this time. Um, yeah, I don't know. This this series, with some continuity problems aside, still continues to be pretty fun for me, at least. I'm, I'm just loving the father and son dynamic that we're getting between Bruce and Damien. Um, and admittedly, the 
the mystery, like I'm not going to pretend that it's something deeply profound or, or complex or anything like that. Like it seems to be a fairly straightforward story involving man bat and some schemes for Gotham. I know Josh is probably rolling his eyes over the explanation as to how man bat is alive again. I understand that is a little hokey. Yes. But I don't know. Sometimes like, I'm not going to get too much into a stir about this as long as it's not ridiculous. Um, but for the most part, like I continue to enjoy this issue. I do think the probably the most jarring thing about it in terms of, of storytelling was the change between um, Simone DeMeo's art and Mikhail Hanin's art, which both are, are good. It's just I think they don't really work well together is the problem. So either just have one artist try and do the whole issue or – get an artist that would pair better with DeMeo. It just felt a little jarring going from like, I don't know, Mikhail Hanin's more 3D oriented style and like the really visually dynamic style of DeMeo. It was just, it was a little too jarring for me at least. Um, but aside from that, I really enjoyed it. So I give this one an 8.25 out of 10. Okay, can I, can I go first? Go for you it. can, you guys yeah. can always okay. go first. All right, so... I, I might I'll surprise you a little bit. I I'm the one that's rolling my eyes a little bit at that explanation about man bat, um, and I'll preface like <clears throat> part of what I love about comics is when it comes to the science of it all, and this is something I, I always think about when it comes to cosmic books, um, space age books. It's just when it comes to being out in the universe, you can just go to the edge of your imagination and then take another step further and just have fun with it. Anything you want to exist can exist. And that's a part of it. And the same thing goes with comic book science. Like I'm not completely against the, the explanation they had for Kirk coming back. Um, but it does feel a little weak. And at the same time, this version of man bat of Kirk Langstrom feels completely out of touch with any Kirk Langstrom we've had in the past. There, there's been, as far as I can remember, two Kirk Langstroms as Man Bat. There has been the one where he, he is a homegrown family scientist, and then when he turns into Man Bat, he's a mindless beast, and then there's a version where he had Man Bat a little bit more under control, and uh, it was Kirk as Man Bat, and he was a helpful Man Bat. He was a scientist as Man Bat, and using his other form to help rather than hinder yep. and this is just completely out of the blue for mm -hmm. kirk langstrom even if it is and and how they describe like um an evolution of man bat why is he all of a sudden just hell-bent on being Gotham's protector yeah. and slightly evil. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I definitely i definitely understand that i don't want to interject too much but the, the yeah. one defense that I will offer is because it's, it's obvious that that Langstrom and Man Bat are kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. And the only other character that I can think of, aside from literally Mr. Hyde from Marvel, that has a similar dynamic is Hulk. And how many different Me versions too. of yeah. Hulk have we seen, right? Where Hulk is more reserved, you know, he's got the, the smarter personality, he's got the gangster personality, or he's just mindless, or he's completely like fuck banner, you know, as he is now or or something like that. And each one, each iteration, which I know Al Ewing kind of explained that is like, it's different personalities, but I guess you yeah. can see each personality 
manifesting in some kind of evolutionary change in Hulk's transformation. So I'm not saying that that's necessarily how Williamson's going to explain it. That's one way that I could view it. It could be a possible explanation, but I, I can understand where you're coming from and how it differs so much. Like a third from, personality. Yeah, basically, if, if we're running with the logic, because I don't know how well you remember the story where a man that died in Detective Comics not that long ago. Yeah. He was possessed by some kind of demonic spirit. It was like kind of spinning out of, of, a, of a JLD plot line. Um, and um, I guess you could see this as if he had died and was sort of incubating and then was resurrected. This is like a, a new evolved version of man bat that's surfacing that basically takes on a different persona. Right. So we're forgetting task force Z where Langstrom's head was removed from his body. Yes. But yeah. again, a I, cocoon at the same time, isn't going to fix that. I, I don't know. Like I I'm, I think there is there are ways that you can explain it that maybe are not as, let's say, kind of cheap as the one in this one. Yeah. But there are ways that you could explain it that that can make sense. The the criticism, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, the criticism that I'll I'll say is fair is that like it doesn't do a very good job of explaining it. But I can. Yeah, it. I I'm not going to put weight to the the head thing. Um, as as fucked up as that is, and a very good point. Um. I, I still I think the cocoon idea is dope, but I just don't like the execution. Um, like you could argue that the cocoon just has the like I don't know, I'm not I'm not I'm not going to put weight into the whole head scenario. Just like it's it's touch and go for me. I I I don't particularly like it. Yeah. But I like the idea of it. Um, the only thing I like about this book really is the interaction between Bruce and Damien. It's not even like, not even 100% of the time. I don't like all of it. It's just some moments with the two of them interacting. It's like, oh, that's, that's nice. They, that's fun. You know, it's the two of them, father and son, like it's cool. Um, but it's, I, did, do, do we really need another Batman book? <laughs> like, that's, that's what I'm feeling right now. It's, it's not, I'm trying to have fun with it, and there are some fun moments, but I'm just not super invested. Um, Shush feels a little heavy-handed um, and unnecessary. <coughs> like, if we're going to have a, a villain that used to be Damien's teacher, which is an interesting idea. Which I don't think she why, is, why... but I have a, another theory on that. I think that's a red hat. I mean, that's... That that was one thing I did like about this issue is that if if that is the case, they they had the mystery going. This is issue four, seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could have sworn it was number three. They had the mystery going for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, just lay it out in the open mm -hmm. on the last page, and Damien just blurts it out like they, there's. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, it was, it was like the, it was like what page was it? I don't know. You asked if you could go first. Please do. Okay. <laughs> um. And then they, they just have Damien like blurt it out right there, mm -hmm. like no no major hinting at this or that or like have the mystery keep going. There's Damien right there at the end, just like okay, no, I think it's this person, this person, and that that's it. And I was like, okay, that that took me by surprise. I kind of like that that they don't just have it. They they're not trying to milk the mystery or anything. Yeah, but. If Brandon, like, like if if your theory is correct and you don't think it is who they say it is, uh, that could be 
something, but I, I think I much prefer them just laying it all out in the open and just yeah. kind of catching up. Or... I think I think with a story like this, because the obvious thing is that yeah, that Mistress Harsh would be hush. Of course, she has a reason for it, but it feels it feels so obvious to the point where like there has to be some kind of subversive element. You'd think, but like I don't know. <laughs> Having Kirk is like even beyond his resurrection or anything mm-hmm. having him show up and in, in in his raison d'etre is is kind of weak like i really don't get why all of a sudden he just wants to be gotham's savior mm-hmm. and and Have you seen gotham lately i mean i'm asking you if because i i know you've been you've been visiting the city a lot recently so i just I don't yeah know. you're the one that's supposed to jersey yeah <laughs> Why aren't you going to God? Hey, I, hey, I don't Gotham, have time for that. <laughs> you nobody got no time. Yeah. Gotham may be in Jersey, but Gotham is literally Toronto and Glasgow. Because <laughs> that's where it was filmed, if y'all don't get the reference. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I, I'm just, I'm so, like, not exactly even like on the fence. I really did hope well for this book. I'm just not really interested. I gotta say, it's fucking the the art's nice, and I like some of the father son moments, so it's getting a five. At four point five. All right. So, you said that the reveal was made at the very last page of the book, but see here where okay, second last page. All right, fine. See here where Harsh is slapping him. Yeah. All right, and then we turn the page, and she's getting dragged away. Yeah. Right there, and then okay. Right after that, we go to Hush. Boom. Yeah. Mystery spoiled. Okay, well, that's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking no, about, like, Robin like came Dave, out and says it, But yeah. as far as a reader, we're sitting yeah. there reading it. We have Hush introduced out of nowhere, and then we immediately go to Hush. That's why I think it's too be. obvious, because it would you your, like your train of logic is like, okay, we have this flashback. It's, it's a clear explanation of why Harsh would be it. But I, that's why I think, I mean, I can, I guess spoilers don't really matter if it's just a theory, but personally, and I could be way wrong, I think that Hush, or not Hush, Shush is actually going to be, I forget the other teacher's name, Miss Hall or something like that. But I think, I think because this is so obvious, it's running under the assumption that's like, everyone's going to think that she's Shush or whatever. And then, oh, surprise, surprise, it's actually the other teacher and they've been in cahoots all this time. Which is why there's a scene at the end where, you know, Principal Stone or whatever is like, "Oh, Miss Hall, do you have a moment? We need to talk about something." Oh, you think? Oh, you think it's a teacher? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Um, like so, this this thing, like I I see what you're getting at, Josh, and I had the same reaction when I read that. I'm like, okay, like they're hinting at that, but I I took it as more of like this is them trying to play coy and and like hint at it. Um, but then at the end with Damien, they just lay it all out in the open. I don't and then you can avoid any of this this shit with the the like like the page turn and like it's the same eyeball. Yeah. Um yeah. because it is. But uh at least it's drawn that way. Um, but in any case, I mean that's that's where I see that as far as the harsh shush goes which makes it sound like it might be the school's librarian. Get it? It's a harsh shush. Yeah. Um, 
We've got. You shut up. <laughs> We've got man bat looking like um, a vampire. Something to the. Like, I don't even know what this Dracula, is supposed to be. Um, like but Keanu Reeves. He's never Reeves. even remotely looked like this before. He looks like a bat. This is just some big buff dude with a bat head. So I'm a little confused by that. Yeah, where the long black hair come from? That's what what looks and sounds evil. Long black flowing hair. There you go. <laughs> well, hey, well, actually, yeah. To draw another comparison to Hulk, if Hulk can have his little his little rock star seventies rock star long hair right now, why not Man Bat? Am I right? Where's the no. justice? <laughs> because it's not just Hulk. It's not just growing long hair. This completely changes him head to toe. And you know what? Drawing the parallels for Man Bat with Hulk, I can get it. There's Rage Hulk, and then we got Professor Hulk, and I, that has been two personalities that we've seen from Langstrom. I don't know what the fuck this is, um, but it ain't Man Man Bat. Uh, the weak the bat, yeah, the bat. I the, the, you'd say. the weak that that was Cassie. Um, that was Black Bat. <laughs> no, that was Black Bat. That's true. Um, the 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 excuse that he had injected himself with so many chemicals that people just thought he was dead, and he was really undergoing a metamorphosis. His fucking head was cut off. There's no thing. People just thought I was dead from there. I mean, I get what you're saying in comic books, but <laughs> at least try. Um, Shush calling Man Bat boss tells me that Shush is ultimately really not second that fiddle. important like a second fiddle player or we've got a big double cross coming but either one of them are that's happening either one of them are telegraphed from five miles away batman overcomes what gets called poison this issue but what was called pheromones last issue so now it's pheromone poison and he does so by chilling out i just got to let them know who's boss and i'm gonna do that through deep breathing Oh. That's Batman. Very cool. Very cool stuff. I don't know. You you Batman. say this stuff and he's, it, he's the master it doesn't, it doesn't make me I mean it is silly, but for some reason it just it makes me love it all the more. Because it's so I'm ridiculous. reminded of that uh that panel in an issue of Amazing Spider-Man where he goes up against a, a like a two-bit hoodlum and he just starts shaking violently. The guy goes, Are You okay? And he's yes, I'm summoning the spiders. <laughs> oh boy. Um and then uh, we go back, we get to see Damien complaining about going back to school again. And then right there at the very end of the book, he's like, oh, yeah, I know we've been fighting this chick for like, what, four issues now? I just want to let you know it's probably this chick. I'm pretty sure it is <laughs> because she definitely is my former instructor. And I think she's probably shush. Four issues into this, Damien's like, hey, I, 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 I kind of know who this is. That's dumb as hell. Um, so I get DC's tactics now. Um, they don't need to hire good writers. They just need to hire amazing artists. And then people won't care if the stories suck. In my particular opinion, yes. if this cover had a scent, like the, like the Jungle League book is going to have a scent, this one would be turd. Um, 
guano. <laughs> you bat guano. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> I think the art is amazing. You cannot argue that the art is amazing, although Brandon is right, having those two different styles going on right next to each other. I wouldn't say it's jarring, but it definitely doesn't mesh well. But the, mm-hmm. the story is, if I was writing this shit, I'd be ashamed. I, I the, the art can only save it too much. So, so much. I gave it a three out of ten. There's nothing in this book that makes any sense at all. That, that, the point you brought up, and I, I can describe it with a wrestling term, that I, I completely forgot to bring up, is when Shush called man bat boss and basically alluded to her being like the second string um to describe it in wrestling terms that hurt her momentum yeah that that killed her push right there for me um and that that sucks because she could have been an interesting villain but if she's just playing backup to evil langstrom um it's just like what's the fucking point i do hope that that i think it was you josh the setter might have been brandon that i do hope you're right that there's a double cross and that there's more to this character but so far just fucking she's dead in the water for me for me i could easily see this being she's working for man bat thinking that uh working from working for man bat helping man bat get Batman out of the fucking picture so that she can rescue Damien because Damien still needs her. Like she was screaming at the end when she was getting dragged away. You you'll still need me. You'll still need me. And I, I I think that's what's coming. And unfortunately Williamson is not very good at hiding where he's going six issues down the road. Um, well, if I'm right in two months, then you all owe me, I don't know, you owe me something. <laughs> you'll, you'll have a Captain Carrot in the mail. There you go. I, I deserve my compensation. The, the figure, not the comic, because it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah. I'll right. take that. It's a gorgeous looking figure. Oh my it god, is. it is. It's so fucking my, my, cool. <laughs> my pre-orders go through tomorrow. I can't fucking well, wait. I'm wondering if, if, if McFarlane's just doing this like just cause or if there's if there's some secret plan to build out the multiversity team i was just thinking that like, like of all the superman figures like, happening i want calvis i know i was like how pimp would it be if the next <laughs> figure that we got was president superman that would be did so you just crazy. say so did you awesome. just say calvis ellen Cal- <laughs> you just said calvis ellen <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> Calvin Ellis. <Wow. laughs> that's that's okay. Whoops. So we just found his Earth Two counterpart. <laughs> Calvin. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> but the book wasn't. The book was fun. It, the that book was just as good as Speed Force. You're as good as speed. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Jesus. That was rude. It's not <laughs> Actually, the hardest, I, meanest thing I've ever heard you say. Yeah, right? Bad shit. You, you're kind of. I meet her more often. You're kind of making me feel like an outsider. Uh, uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, Outsiders number two, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Ro- uh, Robert Carey. Colors by Valentina Tadio. 
Tadeo. Tada! Letters by Tom Napolitano and a cover by Roger Cruz and Adriano Lucas. At the Outsiders Field Office in London, Batwoman is telling the story about an old mission that she had been on. It wasn't a good one. They were gathering info on the Enlil Triangle, which is where there has been a storm going continuously for 25 years. And they were attacked there by what looks like the world's most badass kraken. Thankfully, they get rescued or we wouldn't have a Batwoman. She convinces Fox and Drummer to go check it out, and they do. And that's where they meet the challengers of the unknown. And Drummer seems clearly annoyed. That's followed by the introduction page. On board, the super kick-ass ship is Moses, Bethany, Trina, and Crunch with a K, making it the fourth iteration of the Challengers of the Unknown, if I'm right. And for those uh, who read the, the new Challenger series from 2018, this was after Metal. I was like one of ten people reading that book. I, I think most of us were just going in because it had Andy Kubert on art, but yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember it. So it was the whole new age of heroes initiative. That was one oh. of the books. I think they were banking on it being a legacy title, but they realized that people don't really care about the challenges of the unknown, unfortunately. No. However, the supercomputer on board their ship is pretty awesome. Uh, we see Moses saying, Oh, it figured out how to kill the monitor. Neat. <laughs> that was funny. That made me. Yeah. Anyway, the challengers <laughs> tell the outsiders to take a hike, to which Fox says, yeah, no. Batwoman puts on what basically looks like the outsider's version of War Machine and heads to the bottom of the ocean where she finds the sea monster graveyard. And she is followed by the challengers of the unknown in their version of a Megazord. After both teams nearly engage a giant monster, they look at the bones around and see that this monster is pretty small in comparison to the bones around it. It's a kid. Batwoman convinces everyone to back off by saying, hey, if fucking Aquaman killed your whole family, how would you feel? I didn't throw the fucking in there. It was literally in the book. Um, and that's where the book wraps up. Uh, yeah, everyone's, really, everyone's got a serious case of potty mouth in this issue. I don't know what's going I on. Saying, it's like fucking crazy. <laughs> but um, I really like the art here uh, by Carrie coupled with Tadeo's colors. It makes it look gorgeous. While this kind of felt like a lackluster issue, it's only that in the way that it w- it felt like a one-shot story, so it wasn't super engaging. <laughs> like Planetary. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've been a little sick lately. You got, a little you got a little something in your throat there, Brandon. People, people are going to complain, but, well, I, I, there's another reason for that. But we'll, I'll, I'll, you, you should finish your review first, and we can talk about online commentary. All right. Well, I think that this is an issue that's meant to further show us what these characters are going to be like on this team more than man i really hope it's not just going to be a bunch of one shots i hope there's an overarching story um but as long as it's not a limited run i'm fine with it taking a little time to get there even with a subpar plot it had enough moments for me to enjoy it you pair this with great artwork and i'm gonna give it a 7.5 out of 10 Yeah, first, okay, for, first good book we're reviewing this week, I'll say, <laughs> for me. Um, I was surprised that they didn't 
go back into the mystery they tease at the end of it first issue as i'm sure you guys were too after all we, we've already kind of not mentioned really that. i kind of expect it because i know this i know this book's formula so i kind of knew what it was going to be oh okay fair enough um well i'm excited to hear the formula <laughs> um I, I'm not against a Monster of the Week story, as I've been very vocal about in the past. So I'm, I'm, I was into this issue. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was different. It was interesting. The end panel, I think it was the last page, uh, with, with the oh, monster yeah. standing there, really, really had me thinking that maybe there's more to come from this creature. Because um, they didn't really get to the mystery of where they came from, just that they were always here. Um which I thought was interesting, and is this the last of its kind? Uh, so, so there's a lot more here. I like like the mystery aspect. Uh, this is what detective comics should be, but the fact that we're going into is Josh gone? Oh, yeah. I'm like I'm break? I'm just blown up right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fact that we're going to like the deep facets of the DC universe. Uh, I really like that. So. We'll see where it goes. I'm sure there's a lot more to come, and I'm I'm excited to see where they go from here. Uh, so I'm 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 giving it a eight eight point five out of ten uh, for now. The, the first issue was really interesting. Second issue I thought was really interesting. I I can only imagine where where they'll go from here. Like they're really given the promise of they're going to deep dive in this case quite literally into all the secrets and mysteries. Mm -hmm. It's Mythbusters with superheroes. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much it. I, I like it. Again, I, I think you mean planetary, but DC. But I, I suppose I'll get into that now. <laughs> um, because that's, I'm like, where, where do I start with this book? First of all, I'll give my score, which is 8.5. A little unorthodox, but I, I do actually really like this book. Um, but but I, I, I feel like I, I need to produce like a like an annotated version of this because everyone there there's there's like there's two camps right there's like there's people who obviously know what this book is trying to do it's trying to be the new planetary this this it's it's not very subtle about it literally this issue is is practically an homage to conveniently the second issue of planetary which is monster island where they go and seek out monster island in japan um and are trying to yeah. uncover the mystery of why or how there have been all these strange dinosaur giant monster creatures for years and no one ever noticed. Whoa, I wonder where they got that idea from. So there's a bunch of people in that camp who obviously know what this book is paying homage to. And there's a, an, another group of people who I would say probably aren't as familiar with that. who are going to read this and go, how the fuck did we go from the weird spaceship plot to monster catching slash monster hunting with the challenges of the unknown? And I can understand coming from that perspective, because if, if you're not familiar with the formula of what this book is trying to do, which um, I would say is probably going to be more episodic storytelling with an overarching plot that's going to be related to the mystery of some of these century babies slash Wildstorm characters that people might be familiar with. Um, so I can I can sympathize if you're not familiar with that storytelling type of like, it's just going to be generally a lot of disconnected issues before you see the grander picture then yeah I, I i i can see why you would not be interested i think what this issue is trying to achieve what really makes it work for me is like it's it's very clearly and again not subtly trying to, to i don't want to say rip off but let's let's just say honor 
the style of planetary. But I think what makes this work is instead of literally just reproducing the, the characters exactly as they were in, say, issue two of, of Planetary. It's really trying to, and this is why I think I like it so much, it's, it's basically using that formula to advance characters for um, Kate and Luke specifically. And mm -hmm. I think that's like this, this book, again, it's, I feel like the, the elevator pitch for this is, is it's Planetary meets the DC Universe. But the real meat of this book is I just wanted to tell a really like intimate story about two people, specifically Kate and Luke, coming into contact with the unexplained and the supernatural and seeing how it completely changes their lives. Right. So for me, that's what's making the book work so well. I think especially with Kate, who probably gets more of the focus in this issue than uh, than any of the other characters. So. I, I can understand where some of the criticism might be like, oh, it's such an obvious ripoff. They're just trying to do like, you know, Planetary 2, Electric Boogaloo. But I think if people are willing to stick with it, they'll see that it's a lot more focused on advancing these specific characters rather than just doing like a, a, a generic retelling of the story with the same characters. For so, sure. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's it doesn't take a detective to see the links between this and planetary considering in issue one, we literally saw a book with the words planetary on it. Yes. It was, <laughs> it was the planetary guide from, yeah. From, uh, from the actual original series. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah. I, I don't, I don't harbor any ill will towards it for that. I don't think we're going to be looking at just a ripoff, but mm. honestly, well, because you've got, fucking mnemonic memory or some shit eidetic memory well, I, I love that series so it's, <laughs> it's always fresh in my mind it's you know that the uh, issue number two was the monster island one yeah. and i wouldn't have remembered that but i mean i see the parallel here but that doesn't lessen the quality of this book in my opinion I think. yeah and and i i also think it's important to remember because people are going to be like well you know, planetary, it did it so much better. Like it was clearly setting stuff up. But again, like people will forget the first intro, the first issue introduces the secret base and like Colorado and Axel Brass and the theory of the snowflake and like all this stuff. And then you're like, wow, that's crazy. I, I wonder where they're going to go from there. And all of that stuff doesn't even come up until like five issues later. I, I could be exaggerating. I don't remember exactly, but like you don't even get context for the history of axel brass until much later which is is for me what makes the series work and i know people are like oh, i hate a slow burn like i don't want this you know i don't want the fucking like random one shot story telling or whatever and i can respect that but at the same time i'm like just like invest see where it's going and i guarantee you the payoff will be worth it so it's, I mean, if you can't handle this, then I don't know how you could ever possibly handle a Tom Taylor or a Ron V book. Yeah. Although you know, I, I guess, I, I guess I'm really showing my hypocritical character because I'm praising planetary for something that I'll shit on Tom Taylor for, though. I think he doesn't succeed quite as well, but if you want to rip me apart now, now's the time to do it. You get uh, <laughs> No, you know what I think I think you ripped Tom Taylor apart for it because he's taking his sweet ass time with Nightwing. Yeah. 
And you're like, can't we just throw him and Heartless well, together? I think my thing is like you're taking you're taking too long to the point where he gets lost, and then I'm losing interest, right? But anyway. yeah, I I've I've forgotten multiple times that Heartless was a thing. Yeah, oh, not exactly. me. I've been sitting for I don't know what two years now. Year to and a half. Point where you're like, I think Rob, you were the one who basically said like, I don't even care about Heartless anymore. I'm just like, just no, just yeah. give me fun pirate Nightwing stories. Yeah, and I'm like is that is that not emblematic of like most people's feelings towards this book where they're like, I don't even care about the mystery, just like fuck it, who cares? So Heartless yeah. is gonna show up We're like a year fun. from now and you're gonna be like, What? Who cares? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I he's not fun. I, I, I want I the pirates to, again. <laughs> I hate to bring it up because I feel like I bring it up every time I'm here, but I can't not talk about setup and failure of payoff without mentioning Nick Spencer's Spider-Man. Kindred <laughs> is like such a textbook example, at least in recent memory, of like how you try and set something up and you take so long to get to it that no one cares anymore. But that's it. I won't say anymore because I know I've talked about it too much. Until next week. Until next, Until next week. week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, question. Who who drew Planetary? Uh, who did the art? Uh, you know. You know John the answer to that question. <laughs> That's a probing oh, question, uh, you know. I, I could, could you say the name for the court, oh, please? Okay. Um, John Cassidy. I, I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> I plead, uh, yes, it's, it's John Cassidy. And I know you were going to oh, bring man. that up because... I, I remember when John Cassidy could draw well. Oh, God. I, I don't like you. <laughs> <That's> sorry. <laughs> Yeah. For no, are you telling me that you're not going to be aware. buying a print of his Wolverine slash Beasts photos anytime soon? Is that what you're telling me? I mean, I probably won't buy that, but you bet your ass if there was a print of any pages from Astonishing X Men, I would buy that in a heartbeat if I could afford oh, it. Oh hell yeah. yeah! You just don't you don't want a, a a Wolverine that bends in places that he shouldn't bend, or no, a, or a Beast that looks like he stars in Sling Blade. I mean, on the one hand, well, we got we got to provide context for this because I'm sure people are lost. Yeah. But I will say before Rob explains, I I I don't know if he was trying to channel something different because it almost kind of looked like like 1980s Frank Miller, like Daredevil or something. But at the same time, that's not why you love John Cassidy's art. You don't love John Cassidy's art because it reminds you of gritty Frank Miller. You love John Cassidy's yeah. art because it's like breathtaking. <laughs> It's, it's fucking gorgeous. It's like it's so detailed and expressive in, in even the simplest ways. But anyway, I'll yeah. I'll let Rob explain. So what what's the what's the the, the book that the cover is for? X Force, right? X Force, yes. Yeah. Um for those that don't know, uh Marvel solicits recently for I guess April coming up. Uh next or not the next, but the issue of X Force coming out then features a cover from John Cassidy uh, with Wolverine and Beast on the cover, and it is not John Cassidy at all. His signature's there, but I'm convinced either uh, he couldn't get the cover out, so they got a replacement artist who tried his best, or he's been kidnapped by aliens and he's now a scroll. Or it was a rush job, which I think is probably the explanation. Like, they were like, they were like, but that's like I don't know. I'm just like, I, I feel like this is this is John. We need a cover in two weeks, and he's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, it sometimes takes me a month to complete an issue. Like, you guys read Planetary, you know how long it takes to draw this shit. And he's like, "I don't care. You want to get paid? 
put it out in two weeks. Yeah. The deadline <laughs> is firm. So I th- I think this was like like just get this out because even recently he did like a cover for Superman and it was absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, it's not like a it's not like a oh I fell off thing. It's no like, like I just, there's, I there's like something this wrong. Is, this is rushed or like you said maybe this is someone else inking him. I I don't know. But it, I, I, I don't think inking could be the that was definitely the pencil. Yeah. If you're yeah, like if you're I, inking, you're covering up the fucking pencils. It's not yeah. gonna change. Well, that's not true. Well, that's yeah, deep. no, because that's the thing. Like if 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 this was like Klaus Jansen inking it, Klaus Jansen's great, but like he is a very rough style, and you'll notice yeah. the difference between him inking someone's work and I don't Danny know Danny Miki. Yeah, Danny Miki or someone yeah. like that. Like people have different inking styles, and it, it clearly can change the way the art looks not to get all art nerd about it but yeah i do i do hope that might be the case like Mm. even if for a rush job though i don't see between this cover and his actual work i don't see any similarities in style whatsoever like i can't find any connections and josh (laughs) if i were to I, i was going to actually say before you compared beast to something um he's drawing beast's face like it's uh liefeld's captain america body Oh God, that's, that's horrible. That's that's how I see it. The nose is like three inches to the left. What are you gonna do with that? I'm reckon I'm gonna kill you with it. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's Josh. Are you able to throw up uh, the image like you're showing <laughs> the, the comics? Yeah, give me just a second here. For people and I be watching at home, so they can get a look at what the hell we're talking about. I just, uh, I'm like, I'm worried for the people who may hear your take and be like, oh no, this is it. This is, you know, beginning of the end. John Cassidy yeah. can't draw anymore. He's a has been. And I, I can't say I, I haven't called slander. him a has been. I have not called him a has been, but I do worry. And mostly I just like busting your balls. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I will not stand for that. I will not stand for that. Yeah, no, I'm pretty I, sure he's busting my balls on that. I mean, life. well, like, if if it's not clear, I'm I'm such a huge fan of John. One of my greatest regrets is he was at uh, Terrificon 2021, and and I I just I couldn't get the signature because the line was around the fucking block. Yeah. Um, but I, I regret it so not much. Not surprising. Yeah, but not even not even for Planetary. Like the, the dude has just had such an incredible career with Astonishing X Men, and yeah, like he did this this Captain America story, which admittedly is has not aged all that well. But like every time you see his interiors, it's it's perfection, it's golden. Yeah. So I see this and I'm like, yeah, it's it's bad, but I I don't believe I don't believe this hype that he's fallen off. So like. What was I gonna say? Shit. Um, I'm reading for queers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this, that's this, all I see is like oh, some man. kind of redneck beast there with really bad teeth. Yeah. <laughs> now that's that's Bama Beast. <laughs> that's Roll this, Tide Beast. Mama. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this no. this comes three weeks after I state that John Cassidy is one of the best X Men artists ever. So yes. I I am equally as you did this. I, I this, this is, is my fault. fault. <laughs> this is my fault. I tarnished his legacy. I just I don't want I don't want people to be like, wow, you know, is is astonishing X Men that good? You know, now that they see a cover like this, I I, I won't stand for that. I won't stand for that blasphemy. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, this is this is oh, this boy. is the hill I'll die on. I can't. I will not accept that because that that work is is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, it's a damn shame. Mm. Yeah. At least, like, hopefully, yeah. some one day soon we can get a light shed on it. Mm. I think it's rushed. But speaking of gorgeous art. What about shit. this next book of ours? I, I, I just set up the transition. Nobody caught it. See, that's uh, why I don't do I don't do the transitions for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Shed a light on no. Oh, never, never mind. There you go. Yeah, it's Green Lantern number six, folks. Josh, I don't know, things are looking a little bleak from the. I see what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so Josh has saved me from the horrible fucking transitions uh, by posting, putting the image right up on the screen for all to see. And you can get a look at that beautiful cover from Zermanico, uh, which he also did the interior art alongside Scott Godlewski, which his book is also written by Jeremy Adams with colors from Romulo Fajardo Jr. and letters from Dave Sharp. This is it, the long-awaited issue uh, where you can see in the title there, on the uh, sorry, the cover, A Battle of Wills, A Secret Revealed. Uh, so picking up where we left off last issue, Sinestro is gone full rage mode, and his yellow ring is now doling out red constructs. Uh, Hal has his uh, battles cut out for him now, because this is a, a new power set for Sinestro. Um, and as Hal monologues, explaining that Sinestro has always been a very calm, cool, collected person, uh, very fierce when he needs to be, but he's always been under control, and now he's just full of rage, and there's absolutely no control. So he's doing his best to fight against Sinestro uh, Unleashed. But the red light proves too much and too powerful for Hal to really go up against. Uh, they have wild construct battles, really, like, Jeremy Adams pushing uh, imagination here, running wild. I love it. Uh, I love a good construct battle. Uh, some jets get involved, and Sinestro, after getting hit by one of uh, their missiles, goes straight for them, blows them up, and Hal does what he can to save the pilots. Uh, and he succeeds. This is when Sinestro is like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to rip your planet in half. If you're not going to let me go... Um, I'm just going to do this. Creates a giant kaiju construct uh, mm -hmm. with a laser for a head, and Hal responds by making a giant mech suit okay. construct. I, I have I have one thing Jager. to say. Jaeger. I I Jager. thought I Jager. thought Jager. Kyle was supposed to be the anime lantern. Yes. But now things have been changed, and I, I don't know how to feel about this. So I, I I'm I want to ask Jeremy Adams <laughs> how many times he's seen Pacific Rim. <laughs> well, this, like, that, this is such that an is obvious neck reference, and I was like, yeah. all all I could think about was like that was like that was like Kyle's thing. He was like, yeah. There's like a line in JLA where he's just like, um, what happens when you have a millennial who watches anime or so? I can't remember the line, but something like that. Yeah. But so so that's all I'm seeing online too is like this is totally a Kyle move. I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's a Kyle move. But like Kyle doesn't own the copyright on mech constructs. Like he's not the only lantern who's ever done a mecha construct. Yeah. And I don't think Hal is any different. You can tell by the fact that his isn't like super stylized. And Josh, you're right on the nose when it comes to Pacific Rim, because this is very reminiscent of a Jaeger and yeah. not like a Gundam or another <laughs> right. mecha. This nope. is very much an Americanized mecha. 
So yep. this is how in the last six months was catching up on some old sci-fi movies and came across Pacific Rim. Like it's <laughs> it's not it's a Kyle move, sure. You, you but say it's, that as it's if, very Hal inspired. You say that as if Hal Jordan watches anything but Top Gun. <laughs> he watches race cars shit. Has, has it has five. it recently ta- been taken off the streaming services and he had to like find something else? Probably. That's my guess. Because <laughs> I, I just assumed he only watched that and like maybe I don't know, football or something, and then that's it. <laughs> I, I can see football American. being more like Guy Gardner. Mm-hmm. Um how Oh no, that, Guy Gardner is a hundred percent hockey yeah. fan. No, Guy Gardner's a baseball fan. Oh, he should. We're be. all different. He is baseball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, the first issue of Green Lantern Rebirth, uh, Guy, Hal, and Sean go They're to a all baseball, at a baseball game. game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's that, that scene from Green Lantern Corps or something like that, where he's at like a baseball game. And he yeah, gets called like, away. That's the easiest yeah. sport to draw as yeah. well. <laughs> but then I think Guy, but we're getting away from the anime yeah, thing. It right. does, it it is present in here. I will say that. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's it it's that's the thing. Like Mecca's not anime created Mecca and made it like big, but it's not the only thing that was Mecca. No, and this isn't the only the thing that's anime in the book. Naruto shows up later. <laughs> What? I don't know. I don't know Did what I the fuck this? you're talking about yeah. yet, but <laughs> I feel like I would have caught this. But we'll get there. Um, what do you mean later? Later, later in this anyway. book, or later yeah. in this show? No, later in this book. Okay, I I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. We'll find <laughs> out. Uh, <laughs> so, Mecha versus Kaiju, Green versus Red. Um, conveniently, on what I can only assume is the Pacific Shore. Um, <laughs> Yes. Hal, Hal takes the fight to Sinestro but their contracts meet in the middle and they meet there too uh, screaming at each other a giant burst of white light appears as Sinestro's rage is just way too high his energy can't uh, be contained in the contract and begins to explode so Hal lets go so he doesn't blow up the town they're fighting outside of uh, and then Sinestro takes off and so look I just want to go home and get off this planet I'm peacing out. Bye-bye. So he takes off to the skies, and Hal does what he can to uh, chase after him. But as we know from a previous issue, Hal's ring does not allow him to go past the atmosphere. Uh, so he has to let Sinestro go for now. Unfortunately. He's grounded. Yes. He's grounded. Uh, so he heads back to his trailer, uh, talking with Kilowog. Uh, and Kilowog giving him shit for, for giving chase to Sinestro. Um, but that is when... Uh, if you have not seen it yet online, because let me tell you, it's been making the fucking rounds. Sure. Razor from the animated series appears and gives away. Uh, no. <laughs> Josh, 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 Josh. Not I, even. Oh. Josh, I, I respect you as a person. Very you, anime face, orange, yellow. You, Come on. You, no, you, no, you, no. you have wrong. some interesting opinions, but I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Fuck you. Oh, <laughs> I have offended the anime gods. No, that's not even close. No, you it's didn't offend anime. anime shit. You, you offended, offended me Green as Lantern, a Green Lantern, the animated, animated series fan. <laughs> Let me tell you, the I've vindication I think episodes. a lot of us 
felt seeing Razor? Because I know the rumors yeah. have been flying around from Jeremy Adams that like uh, a character I mean, from the animated series. And yeah. I forget. I think it might have been Rob and I, or all three of us at some point, had talked about like, oh, who's it going to be? And Rob and I were like, maybe Aya, fingers crossed, maybe yeah. Razor. Um, I think Razor was a definite. At some yeah, point. but yeah. but uh, I felt I felt like yeah, so so vindicated with this one. I was so excited that I may or may not have spoiled it to Rob very early on. Yeah, and and as people keep pointing out, uh, what I've been seeing on chatter online uh, the past couple of days, everybody's talking about Razor and like you mentioned, where's Aya? But as some people have pointed out, and I did kind of forget this, Aya already exists in continuity, but I think. I don't really remember the timeline here. She might predate her animated series appearance. I don't hmm. remember when the animated series came out, but she was in War of the Green Lanterns. Uh, like 2009, 2010? Actually, it might have been 2011. I don't know. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah, I don't remember. War of the Green Lanterns would have been 2011 because it was yeah. the last arc before New 52. I want to say 2011, but I could be wrong because I'm okay. I'm like the way I'm dating it is it followed Brave and the Bold, which I think G- was 2010. So us G- I- debuted November 30th, 2011. Okay, yeah. Okay, that, so that. so it did take place after War of the Green Lantern. So mm-hmm. shit. So she's not technically an animated series character. No, I mean her personality and. and body and flesh out was definitely in the animated series because in the war of the green lanterns she was only a ship ai interesting yeah very interesting and it was the interceptor as well Mm -hmm. i'm i'm pretty sure it's war of the green lanterns because was hal and guy and that was the only time they weren't using their rings i have to i want to reread that story anyway anyway um well, so Aya could show up at some point, which would be yes. very interesting. If if DCFandom.com forward slash wiki forward slash Aya underscore open parentheses new underscore Earth, Earth, Earth <laughs> close parentheses, is to be believed, <laughs> it says in the notes that she was created in the Green Lantern animated series, but was later adapted into Green Lantern issue number 65. Um, which would have been, I guess, after the series. Wait, no, it says published before the series premiere, but I guess the character would have been in development prior to the. Oh yeah, no, I guess like I that. guess so. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense timeline wise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the character might have been like created at the same time. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Like okay, that makes sense. Cartoons yeah. and toys at the same. But the the, the yeah. character of Aya in the animated series is vastly different from the brief oh, AI God, yeah. we see in, you know, yeah. in War of the Green Lantern. So. Start starts out the same, but really gets fleshed out in the animated series. Yeah, so that's the version I think people are like we want to see. Yeah, and for any of you who have not watched it and you've ever been on the fence, do yourself a favor, watch it. Superman the animated series, Batman the animated series, Green Lantern the animated series, all spectacular. And I know, like, discourse at the time was like the biggest hurdle for watching that show was the animation. I know the the 3D is not great. I can, but it suits Green Lantern. But it suits Green Lantern, and the stories are just really good. That's what I always liked about it. Like, it would keep you engaged. 
I'm completely on that camp because when it first came out, I was not in love with the animation. As much yeah. as it was Bruce Tim designs inspired, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the 3D animation was jarring for me. But like, I gave it a shot years after it finished, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Shit, I wish I watched it when it was new," because it is fucking fantastic. Yeah, especially if you're a Green Lantern fan. But if you are a Green Lantern fan, you've probably watched it already. <laughs> <laughs> that was like um, my first introduction to a lot of characters, like Kilowog yeah. and, and Guy Gardner and all that stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of Kilowog, I actually technically haven't finished the issue synopsis. Uh, <laughs> so Razor shows up and then drops a, a major a reveal uh, where he says, I've come a long way through the United Planets blockade to find my former ally, my friend, talking to a construct of Kilowog. And that's when yeah. Hal reveals that Kilowog is dead. And he is yeah. the one that died on... Um, Corridor. Sad face. Yes. We knew but that he at, died, but we, we, I mean, it was a lot of lanterns were brought back to life. Everybody but the poser. Um, well, the, the assertion a lot that of lanterns Kilowog is a poser is disgusting. <laughs> poser. I said it. Poser. poser. I said poser. I meant poser. <laughs> um, well, so, so Kilowog here, it, it, we're going to find out what happened next issue and his supposed death, but like it wouldn't be the same time as all those lanterns dying during the the uh, run that shall not be talked about. Um, but at Do the you same think time, that and Green like, Lantern Toss was, was canceled because of the movie. It was, and this is honestly kind of stupid. I've, I've looked this up a few times. Mm-hmm. It was canceled due to poor toy sales oh, that's uh, such a bullshit excuse they said the same thing about young justice and symbiotic Titan. yeah and i think that's that's just the the weak uh response that they give when they just want to pull it off the programming block well, or something that quite quite literally because here's the yeah. thing the toys were never released it's like it's a fun so it's the, literally it's just, green lantern no, toys like How are they not gonna sell? I, I like, <laughs> yeah the movie certainly hurt green lantern a lot uh hurt the mm-hmm. momentum it had and then jeff john's leaving the book uh didn't help either so <laughs> yeah at the time green lantern kind of just fizzled out but hopefully we're in a new renaissance mm-hmm. um yeah, so another thing I'm seeing online, and that, that is a very good point, not the first time Kilowog's been dead. No, yes, which, and, and actually, because I, I, I remember I'd sent that on Discord, Yeah. Um, and I was trying to remember, because I know it was, uh, this was after Parallax's attack, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't remember exactly how he died. Oh, um, it was Hal Jordan's fault, too. He yeah, blast, it was blasted him. Into blasted a skeleton. him. Yeah. It was the thing I couldn't remember was how they actually brought him back to life. Yeah, I'm not um, entirely sure of that either because I don't yeah. remember. Because well, my, my reading was a little weird because I think it, I don't know, some stuff just kind of got mixed up and like I was jumping around with issues and I think Kilowog was just back and I never really bothered to look up yeah. how he actually survived. So I don't know if they ever really explained it. I'm sure somewhere, but I, I yeah, it's got to be at some point. I, yeah. I've been meaning to look it up. Um, but I wanted to mm-hmm. go through Kyle's run. I imagine it happens in Kyle's run. Yeah. Because... Well, fingers crossed. This is just Hal Jordan thinking that 
that uh, Kilowog is dead and he's really alive out there somewhere. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I don't think Hoping. Jeremy Adams would go to the extent of killing Kilowog. No, and, and leave right. it to Jeremy Adams to come up with a clever way to bring Kilowog back to life. Yeah, especially I'm since you know, this, he he was also a writer on GL Toss, albeit for two yeah. episodes, but he was yeah. and and they were like the two lead characters mm. for half the show. So it was Hal and Kilowog. Yeah. So it'd be really weird for him to just kill Kilowog off right away. Yeah, he he killed a wog. <laughs> Don't kill the wog. <laughs> All right, and in our backup, uh, where are the fucking credits on this one? Holy shiza. At the Written end, by... Peter J. Tomasi, <laughs> uh, with art from David LaFuente, colors from Timer Bonvillain, and letters from Rob Lee. Just comics, stop putting your credits at the end of the story, please. <laughs> it's annoying. You you complain, but thank God you don't read 2000 AD because it's like literally a two inch rectangle, on a <laughs> small little corner. On you the have first to, page. You, yeah, you, you have to, you, know, you, literally, you literally have to like squint. It's literally like that, that meme <laughs> every senior single. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fucking oh my god! I miss community. <laughs> Hope they. You know what's weird in Batman and Robin? They didn't credit the cover artists, but they credited all of the variant cover artists. Did they not? No, maybe I must have missed that. But I thought they did. <laughs> thought yeah, that was really weird. But anyway, yeah. sorry. Um. All right. So sector two five four one planet Zella. Before I forget, can I ask you guys? Because I'm going to mean to ask somebody. Am I the only one of the planet when they say the sector numbers? I say each individual number. Like I always hear people say twenty eight fourteen. I'm like, no, nah, two eight one four. I oh, usually no, say I always say twenty eight fourteen. Yeah, yeah, twenty. I don't know. I think it's just it might be an American thing. Who knows? But oh, I just feel like alien numberings got to be different, right? Not if they're using the same numbers. Yeah. Well, yeah, we. I just wouldn't read, I wouldn't read it differently. I guess, like, if it was Lantern eighteen eighteen, like I would say eighteen eighteen, not one eight one eight. I would totally say one eight one eight. I feel like that's that feels more scientific in space age. <laughs> Maybe at the Captain very Ball. least, Sala <laughs> yeah. I even think, exactly Captain Kirk. He never hmm. he never did that. He was like Captain Log Stardate one six seven five point seven or something. He never like. Shorten the numbers. You just I'm just, each I'm just lazy. Number. I'm just lazy in the way that I read. And if that's faster, it's going to be faster. I don't think this it's that actually. This it's, is why we're not astronauts. It's lengthening <laughs> the numbers because yeah. you could say two five, but that's quicker than saying twenty five. There's one less syllable. It's true. Yeah. Two maybe five four one is just, two syllables left than twenty forty one. Twenty five. It's just it's the Canadian in me. We we don't pick up a twenty four case. We pick up a two four. That's Ooh, that's weird. Yeah, but but when you go to grab a big old jug of whiskey, it's a Texas Mickey, <laughs> or just a Mickey. Yeah. Just... <laughs> oh no no te- yeah we had this Texas Mickey is different from a Mickey, right? Yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Or we grab a liter. <laughs> Canadian clear. Woo. Yeah, we we grab Those one some... liter, not. Fucking zero point seven gallons. One point seven five. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, I, I think I said this before. I used to, when I used to work with, with in in a paint department. Um, even up here, we just make it because the paint we sell is from the United States. Uh, so we just easily still go gallon and quart because that's mm. fucking quicker. Um, and then this guy, every time he came, and he was like, "No, it's not a gallon. It's three point seven eight liters." Like, Thanks. So you buy. You buy what uh, 3.78 liters of milk? Is that what it says? Like yeah. if you buy a, a a milk, like a carton of milk, no, it actually says no, that on no, there. No, yeah. It's a bag. Oh, that's yeah. No, so no, no. Weird. We yeah, we we don't well no, we have drugs. We have drugs as well. Yeah. I don't I don't know we have gallon drugs, but like we have drugs. Mm-hmm. But it says liters on it, yeah. It's weird. It's usually sized by the liter, like five hundred liters, one liter. Not yeah. a gallon though, two point five or five five hundred milliliters. I mean mm. to say, yeah, Ooh. yeah. That's too <laughs> it's many an numbers. Easier system. Yes, but but my freedom. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Yes, Your freedom to have my coffee. math says freedom, freedom to, to, to I learned freedom math in Missouri. Does exactly. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Holy shit! Okay, on the planet Zella, <laughs> um, some credits are being exchanged for stolen organs because uh, crime, crime runs rampant all over the galaxy, as they say. Um, but this is when Korg shows up, the would-be Sinestro son. Um, and kind of saving the day, he steals the the credits and then takes the credits and goes after the guy driving away with the organs using his own somewhat power of fear, at least what he believes to be the power of fear, um, to kind of scare these guys away, but really just beats them till they get kicked away. Yeah, um, if I'm not mistaken, in the last issue, we saw that he has a, a fear-powered brass knuckles. He's so he's got the Sinestro Corps symbol on it, and it says uh, he's he thinks it's it's its own kind of fear ring, but I think it really just shocks people. It's not really a Sinestro ring, so he can't really use fear energy, but he says it does. The fist of fear compels you, yeah, and at the same time, it goes <laughs> kazak, uh, with lightning bolts around it. So. <laughs> Um, all right, so he gets the credits, he gets the organs, takes the organs back to the hospital and says, here, I saved them. Get them with the right people. The, the attending physician or whoever this is, um, a little suspicious, about to call security. <laughs> he says, no worries, just thank me and takes off with the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, heading over to a junkyard where he pays to get in and get the last parts he needs for his makeshift spaceship where he is going to take off that night uh, and head off into the cosmos to find his would-be father, Sinestro. And just as he's about to take off, Nagaf shows up. Yeah, Nagaf shows up and throws a spear at the rocket ship as it's taking off, destroying one of the engines and bringing him right back down to the planets. That's what I saw it as a rocket launcher. Could be, but it looks almost like a harpoon as well so it's it's alien who fucking knows yeah um it ain't friendly could be a bow and arrow for all we know (laughs) yeah so 
Wayward Son, a lot of fun so far. I'm I'm interested. Uh, as we know, leading into Sinister Sons, where we'll see him and Drew Zod team up. Um, is it Drew Zod? Lorzad, yeah. Lorzad, thank you. Is, um, is, Drew, is, is it Drew? Drew Zod is, is Drew Zod just, Zod. just yeah, just Zod. yeah. That's his first name. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, Lorzad and Sin Sun. Yeah. Korg. Sin Sun. Uh, he's going to. They're going to be teaming up in, in Sinister Sons later on. But I'm I'm excited about that. This is this is a fun little intro to the character so far. Uh, this part partic- in particular with him like attacking the muggers is just. Like, like you said, Josh, like the yeah. power of fear, uh, the fist of fear compel you or something like that. Is, I'm going to call it fun. selfish vigilantism. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the best way to put it. Uh, main story. Um, I had a blast watching Sinestro and Hal fight. Uh, very, mm. very different Sinestro. I love watching a construct battle, and this this was was just a blast. Uh, and then having Razor show up at the end was fucking fantastic. Um, I'm not in love with the idea of Kilowog being killed off, but there's just not enough info to really pass proper judgment on it yet. So we're going to wait till next issue to really have a feeling about that. Uh, but Razor's here, um, and we had an awesome battle. So fuck yeah, 8.75 out of 10. But yeah, no, it's, it's Sir Manico, 9. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you sold the, the score right out of my. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna. I'm I'm reading this and going, holy cow, what is going on in here? Every single time I read a Jeremy Adams book, I'm like, I think I love this guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I he's married, but yeah. <laughs> shoot your shot. Why not? <laughs> um, Every issue makes me ask more questions, and I must know the answers. I'm not going to lie. It is driving me a little crazy. I don't think I've ever read a Lantern story with this much mystery into it. Yeah. And it, it's done so well. Incredible writing. Um, he, Jeremy Adams just knows how to write a book and a TV show and a movie. And it doesn't matter what the character is. Um, he's great from Green Lantern to Mortal Kombat Johnny Cage. Um, and you'll never hear me complain about Zermanico or Godlewski either. Well, maybe Godlewski, but very rarely. Zermanico <laughs> is amazing. Um, the art in nearly every panel is just so good. Um, main story is great. I rated that an 8.75 out of 10. No, I, I was going to say Rob store, stole the score right out of my mouth because I also gave this one a 9 out of 10. Um, and it's funny because this cover, which is... Like, there have been some amazing covers in this series, especially the first one, which, like, Zermanico paints with, like, gauche, and every time it's it's gorgeous. But, like, honestly, this one's probably my favorite. It's just so it's so dynamic. It's got, like, all these different aspects of it that really just heighten all the action that's going on. But anyway, um, no, as for the story, it's, it's just great. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'll be redundant in saying basically the same thing that uh, Rob and Josh have already said. Uh, the only thing I guess that I'll add is I, I can understand where some people might be like, oh, you know, Sinestro is a Red Lantern. Why? He's so associated with fear. This feels like a weird departure. But I think what makes it work, what justifies it is how Jeremy Adams has kind of been able to tie everything that's been going on with Sinestro right now 
and give him a reason to be so freaking pissed that of course he would be a red lantern. It wouldn't even really yeah. make sense for him to be in fear right now. He's just angry. He's like, everything I've tried has failed and no one respects me anymore. No one fears me. I can't channel that. And I'm not really afraid. I'm just pissed off because it's not, nothing is, is going right for me anymore. So I think, I think it's, it's worked well and it's, it's well justified. So there's yeah. just a lot that I, I like about that aspect, but yeah, no, other well, than that, that, it's just a really great issue. That, you that, think about the backup. Oh no, the backup's super fun. I'm I'm actually like it's funny because I, I remember feeling the same thing with Super Sons where you're like, this is such a gimmick. And then you read it and you're like, that was pretty good. And then you end yeah. up reading all 19 issues as they come out. So <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. I started at first I'm like, uh Sinestro Sun, like who gives a fuck? Like, yeah. why should I care about this? But you read it, and you're like, oh, this is cute. And then you know, we're at like what chapter three or four, and I still really like it. So yeah. That's the talent yeah. of Tomasi for you. See, I, I'm still not a fan of the art in the backup here. I am enjoying the story. It feels kind of weird because I feel like I'm reading a Super Sons type story without the Super Sons in it. Yeah. It's got the same tone for sure. It yeah. really does. And don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem with that writing style. And I definitely hope it leads somewhere good. But given how Lorzad and Korg feel like they aren't exactly what their fathers would like um i i have a feeling that we may be getting a couple of superpowered damians here at least as far as the attitude goes um we're gonna see where it leads for now Maybe. art story though uh i this the backup gets a seven out of ten i give the whole book an eight right on 8.25 8.25 now this this whole thing with sinestro going on i think this is adam's connecting it to the previous run where where they keep talking in this issue how there's something wrong with the emotional spectrum and it's definitely mm -hmm. what we saw at the end of of the last run um where just yeah. certain certain lanterns became other colors yeah and then sinestro i'm thinking like he's just lost the ability to have yellow light so now he just has red and this is what's going on mm -hmm. and this is him kind of continuing that so i'm i'm very curious in what's going on there plus hey. What's another story where some of the the mainstay lanterns swapped colors? Ah, War of yeah. the Green Lantern. So, I don't know. I just because I I was reading that that like last sequence where Sinestro just blasts off into space, and I'm like, where is he even going? Like, where where could he where could he even be? Um, and I had I had two ideas. I was like, number one, wouldn't it be so dope? It's not gonna happen, but wouldn't it be so dope? if this was like a backdoor pilot to a new Red Lantern series. I think just because that would be kind of cool to have like a pitch with Sinestro maybe challenging Urkillo or something. I know, I know, I know. Or not not Urkillo. Um, oh, my God. I'm looking at name? him right now, and I can't think of it. Oh, Atrocitus. Atrocitus, yeah. My it me in the last God, time. how did I remember um, that before the two of you? I, I said Urkillo <laughs> first, and I was like, that's yeah, not, that's that's not right. But anyway. Um, but I thought I was like, wouldn't that be so cool if this was a backdoor pilot? And then I was like, well, it's probably not going to happen. But I remember you had said something on Discord of like some tweet that Jeremy Adams had made of like, you know, I'm talking about future plans with the Lanterns. And someone was like, oh, is Philip Kennedy Johnson a part of those plans? And he was like, yeah. And then I was like, my, my third eye opened and I was like, ah, it's all coming together. And there could be some kind of crossover looming that may have... Yeah, there you go. It may have um, uh, 
something to do with like this this mystery with the emotional spectrum. Yeah, let's See, go this, bigger this, this... and give us the widest light. And I want like all of the cores, core, all of the different cores brought back into it. That'd be interesting. There's like, some people actually some, asking for that. Give me some Saint Walker, bitch. I yeah. need some Saint Walker <laughs> and some Larflees. So that's the, okay. Before we get into that, it's funny you you bring that up. Brandon, because I was going to bring that up. That's why I had these ready. Yes. Like <laughs> that they were teasing uh, a collaboration, potential like crossover between these two, which is awesome. Yeah. But and then I forgot. Oh, which is is that the new one? Fuck. I wish I had an LCS around <laughs> here, man. I I'm, I only have like the first issue of War Journal because the one <laughs> by my house keeps forgetting to pull my books. Ah, uh, so that's <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah no, Saint- better than nothing. <laughs> it's better than nothing, but I want these fucking books. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you gotta get them on time. That's that's yeah. a good. Um, so yeah, you mentioned Saint Walker. I forgot there was a part, and I think it was right when Hal was making the the Jaeger construct. Mm-hmm. He said, "There's something about this area is really boosting my ring power," which right away, Blue Lantern. That's what mm-hmm. what happens. Um, is there a blue lantern nearby? I fucking hope so. I wonder if that was, (laughs) well, actually, I'm wondering if that was like, because, and I don't want to, this is going to go down another rabbit hole, so I'll make this short, but for people who are familiar with the Green Lantern animated series, you will know that one of the, the storylines involved, yeah, you you already know where I'm going, you know, one of the storylines involved a certain character transitioning from being a red lantern into eventually becoming a blue lantern which if you watched young justice and this is giving it away that storyline actually kind of continued but you you saying that just made me think like oh this this might have been an interesting way to connect it in that Mm. said Mm. character may have been present while Hal was fighting sinestro and may have been boosting his powers a little bit well, you know, there's always the chance that we're going to dig up some old Joshua Williamson because the last time Joshua Williamson wrote anything about a lantern, if I'm not mistaken, it involved Dexter, who was a part of the good guys. Am I missing something? Oh, <laughs> Maybe Dexter isn't going to be a Red Lantern anymore. That would be I, interesting. No. Well, I think, the, yeah. the lantern that I was talking about. I hope that's not, not the case. Yeah, not not Dexter, but um, no, but this uh, definitely yeah. Razor. Razor. Yeah. Just gonna bury the lead right now. He's talking about Razor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that could be no, interesting, no. but like the whole fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole thing with Dexter that I love is just in his intro, and in it's the rage of this little cute kitty. That's what makes him most interesting mm. to me. Um, you make Dexter a blue lantern, this takes away any edge the character has. So completely replaces it with some hilarious shit. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine Dexter being like hopeful and giving advice and guidance and only accept that if Atrocitus was also a blue lantern with him? (laughs) I feel like if Atrocitus is no longer a red lantern, they just I don't know. It could kind of fall apart. I mean, I know they don't all recognize him as their star sapphire. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's just, instead of revenge now, he's just patrolling the galaxy for love. Oh, God. (laughs) 
Well, actually, I mean, that, you, six, six, you laugh, but that, that could be a possibility. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they, they basically, like, forced fatality. She wasn't a Red Lantern, but they basically forced her to become a, a Pink cool. Lantern. A, a Love Lantern. Hang on. I'm about to Lantern, like, fan you right now. That oh, was, oh. That was, that was not fatality. That was a Durlin. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, I forgot oh. about that. That, that <laughs> trick yeah. I But yeah. no, 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 no. I oh. hate that. I hate that oh. because if you remember it. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. That was that was clearly, that was clearly, I forget who was writing that arc. It was, like, Van Jensen or something. But that yeah. was clearly, like, miscommunication between what the next generation of Lantern Riders wanted to do and what Jeff Johns wanted to do. Because yeah. if you remember in Green Lantern number 20, in the hypothetical future that they of chose... Of course I remember Green Lantern yes, number 20. Of course, of course. Yeah. But like in that jumbo yeah. issue, oh, yeah, you no, see they, Johns they settle down. Yeah, they with live fatality. Together, and yeah. she like gives up. So was she yeah. always a Durlin? I think that was clearly like they wanted a surprise reveal, but that probably hadn't been set up from the beginning. So. I mean, at, if you remember, at the end of that issue, was like, uh, in so so many things in that were just kind of retconned. Uh, yeah. That was that was the end of Jeff John's story, but that was not the end of the Lanterns because they had he had Guy Gardner growing old and getting into a bar fights. But if you remember, I want to say it was Venditti's story in the, the 80th anniversary, anniversary special yeah, where he died. Uh, Four Horsemen. He was dead, yeah. uh, which honestly one of the best fucking stories he's ever written about Green Lanterns. Mm -hmm. And he had Hal and Carol settling down together as grandkids, both with uh, a green and a sapphire ring. Yeah. But Carol not only does not have a sapphire ring right now, but is also with somebody else entirely and wants nothing mm -hmm. to do with Hal. So and actually, speaking of of that alternate future, like Kyle was supposed to go off and become space Jesus with yeah. like long hair. And he and gave up the White Lantern powers yeah, just like chilling on her. Very room. easily. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a bummer. So yeah, no, I think I think that's clearly like Jeff had stuff that he wanted to solidify in his version of the lanterns. Then the new writers came in and they were like, yes, but no. I want a big ass lantern event to come out of yeah. this. That's which is what why, which is why yeah. I don't like that reveal because I, I do. I mean, I, I know ethics are questionable as to whether or not uh, fatality actually had embraced the lantern, but I like that she kind of had a redemption arc. I, I like that. Yeah, idea. that was that was interesting, and then they just killed it off. Yeah, and they were like, "No, she was a doppelganger." Whatever. Like, yeah, she was Darlin all along. This is gonna yeah. come into a big lantern event. I'm gonna call it the whitest light because we had darkest night and brightest day. That it's the whitest racist. light, <laughs> not whitest, white. I heard wide, well, like the like, opposite of narrow. Okay. Because you know the spectrum light. goes in through a prism and it goes. I'm right. kidding. I, I give people shit when they say white Christmas. Just because oh, I, I like being a. What's it got? <laughs> <laughs> I love those jokes. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I, I want to see this lead into something big that is going to be very impactful into the lanterns, whether it's redefining what the emotional spectrum is or bringing cores bringing the other cores that we never get to see back out to the forefront and and, and maybe having with the green lantern core in such disarray the united planets having their own green lantern core i don't see why there's a reason why there's not a spectrum core on the way that's possible mm -hmm. 
like, with a, everybody like a coalition but of, of different lanterns you mean yes exactly okay. yeah. and they're yeah. all on the same team especially when since with the united, united planets are running the yeah. the core now they wouldn't have the same um disdain for other colors that the guardians did so yeah i guess the only problem is like how do you how do you police that because you could have a bunch of lanterns who are just like especially i'm thinking of like the indigo lanterns so they're just like well, they're, get they're stuff. clearly like they're, why why would i help you yeah like with, with pkj's war journal like they're clearly not policing the green lanterns as it is because they yeah. have a whole bunch of derlins who are as a species have already been proven not to be trusted mm. um in the entire species. fucking universe that's yeah. the second time he's been a a species tonight. <laughs> How many times have they tried to take over the universe? First, first you came for the apes, then you Is came it? for the Durlins. Like, can we can we even tolerate this? Fuck the he can't tolerate. <laughs> um, Ouch. Um, that's a whole another. Like, who t- who's who's fucked with shit more, Durlins or Dominators? Probably Dominators. Dominators. I would think, yeah, Dominators, just because of invasion. Yeah. But like, the, even there's even a Dominator on the United Planets. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. At this point, but there was also a Durlin on the Green Lanterns, so yeah. Eh, I don't know. It's, it's, maybe we maybe we should just treat them all individually. Yes. That's what I'm thinking is we don't gather up all of the different members of all of the different cores. There's just a few of them that come together mm-hmm. and, and and make a multicolored core. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like uh, we're gonna have a core with a little bit of diversity around here, guys. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. I know we've been we're talking about this for a while, so you should probably segue. But I just want to say, as as because Josh, you brought up the crossover, which I think is is not inevitable, but is very likely at this point. Um, and I'm just wondering what kind of what kind of story do you think we might expect to see in something like that? Because both books are tackling pretty different corners right now. Um, I just pitched it. And so the whitest light, which, <laughs> you know, uh, questionable questionable title aside, um, might, prismatic. might be. Yeah, <laughs> prismatic. Yeah. Yeah. I really was um, off the tongue. But yeah, I don't know. Because I was like, I was thinking, it was like, what's the last crossover the Lanterns have had? Was it Godhead? Might have been. Uh, it was either Godhead or Lights Out. Might have been Godhead yeah, actually. It was Godhead, and that yeah. was like that was when they had had four different books, like New Guardians yeah. and the Green Lantern Corps, and Green Lantern and uh, Red Lanterns. But there's just yeah. there's just two. So if you're gonna do a crossover, it would probably be a little bit smaller in scale, I would think. Yeah, I, I could see it being maybe like like the Button, for example. There's yeah. two books, four parts. And so Hal has a ring that's not connected to the central battery. And I think it's next issue of War Journal. Uh, John Henry is going to help John fashion a ring to help him control his power a little bit. Uh, maybe the infection he's got going on. Uh, so he's going to have his own ring that is not connected to the, the central battery. So you're going to have these two heroes on Earth in the quarantine zone as Green Lanterns where they're not supposed to be. And they're not connected to the Green Lantern Corps at all. Mm-hmm. The United Planets is going to have an issue with that. It's going to be some uh, United Planets lanterns going after Guy or going after Hal and John. And depending on where Guy and Kyle are, they could be involved. Yeah, I think that's it. There's your story. 
The United yeah. Planets Lanterns come after after the Earth Rogues. The four corpsmen. Fuckery ensues. Uh, fighting in fighting. Fuckery ensues. <laughs> Fuckery ensues, yeah. But Fuckery you, you can imagine like if, if Guy and Kyle are part of the, the crew that are tasked with bringing in Hal and John, uh, at what point are they going to... Uh, <laughs> I just I because you said um you said Kyle and uh Guy and Guy and I, yeah. I just I have this thought. It's it's so silly, but the last time we saw them was in Unstoppable Doom Patrol. Yeah. While they were chasing after the DP. <laughs> it's just like I know they got called away to Earth, but I was like like what if what if like in the inevitable crossover, the first time we see um Kyle and Guy, they're still chasing after the Doom Patrol. Like they've just been doing it. Like they, they've just been doing it for days. Yeah. <laughs> like we're not gonna stop. <laughs> we're still here. That'd be hilarious. And then they get called. And then they get called away. Yeah. Um, like, you guys have been doing this for like a week. Like, <laughs> guys, like, no, I'm not stopping until we catch those bastards. <laughs> But guys, two pages later, unstoppable. Beer well, they're, it's like they're like they're like a wily coyote. They're just they're, <laughs> they're not going to stop till they catch them. Yeah. Was it in actually? Was it in that or was it Superboy Man of Tomorrow? No, that was Unstoppable Doom Patrol. I was like, you yeah. no, yeah, they they were in that too, but like, yeah, for the last appearance, I mean. Uh I don't remember them being in. Superboy, Man of Tomorrow. But maybe I'm but forgetting. It, it was like last issue or something like that. Oh, okay. Might yeah, have just maybe. been Kyle, but... I'm just going to forget that and pretend my version is the last time. <laughs> For comedic effect. Yeah. Probably get, so it was saying like if, if Kyle and Guy show up and they're mm -hmm. on that team, uh, at what point do they betray the United Planets and rejoin their brothers? Right. Right. Are they even a part of the United Planet Lantern Corps right now? Do we even we, know that? We don't know, but like right. judging by their appearance in Doom Patrol and Superboy, we can only assume. Yeah. Although they may not be like satisfied. It's because it seemed like no. uh, we didn't get much context for it, but it seemed like they were being called back against their will. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. All I right. Most of the books this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're getting on in time. Let's let's cut over to our top three uh, books of the week and favorite moment if you got one. What was yours, Rob? Um, <laughs> well, number one, as you can guess, was Batman and Robin. No, shut um, up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, num number three, I'll say Speed Force. Number two, Outsiders. Number one, Green Lantern, of course. Uh, favorite moment will be from Outsiders, though, because it just made me laugh every time I look at it. Um, they're in the the bat sub, if you will, and Kate goes, when's the last time you took this thing underwater? And and, and Luke goes, what? I built this thing yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk about operational yeah. protocol. <laughs> I pay the bills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love That's that. That's the protocol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. That was a good moment. Yeah. What about you, Brandon? Brandon's eating. In the middle my... of trying to sneak some food. Um, no, I got my, <laughs> my top three all laid out. Um, no, number one for me, honestly, 
probably going to be also Green Lantern too. Just a really phenomenal issue, um, and and great way to cap this arc with Sinestro just disappearing. Like, where is he going to go? So I'm definitely hooked to see where that goes next. Any damn place he wants. I'm I'm sad that I think this might be uh, Zermanico's last issue, at least for for a time period. But what? I don't know. I looked at the next uh, next month's solicit, and he's not he's not doing art. Who, who's doing so number seven? Damn it! I think it's it might be Dale Eaglesham, which is a good choice. He's great. That's not bad. Okay, that's not yeah. Bad. I just I was like, oh damn, Zermanico <laughs> yeah. though. No. Um, well, let me just double check that. Um oh no it's not. It's um Aman K Nahuelpan. Okay. He's good, he's good too. Like in well yeah. yeah, he's yeah. good. Um but anyway, yeah, no, aside from that, just really great issue. But yeah, number one, I had uh Green Lanterns, number Green Lantern, excuse me. Um number two, Outsiders, and number three, Batman and Robin. Favorite moment was a little hard because I did really want to give it to that that double page spread from Mikel Hanin, um, in Batman and Robin of them, you know, like soaring through the city and Batman's like game on son, but yeah, that um, was cool. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta go with, uh, I gotta go with my heart on this one. Um, and honestly, that's like literally the entire fight sequence between Hal and Sinestro is just perfect. But yeah. in particular, there's like this one double page spread of just him, like unleash. I don't know if Josh can put this up. Um, but it's it's this one. I don't know if you can yeah, get that one. That was yeah, that really was good. like that was just like okay, fucking go off with the art. Just incredible. Um, so like you really get a sense of like this this wave of rage. With the plane with the plane on it when he's yeah, going after the, the planes. planes. It's like it's just like a bunch of red and, and two planes getting swarmed. I can, it's right there. There you go. And there it, it is. is gorgeous. Now, my top three are going to be in number two. I'm giving it to Outsiders, and number one goes Green Lantern. Um, did, the other you... two don't deserve to place. Okay, I was going to say, do you say a number three? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, my favorite moment is going to be in Outsiders as well. I'm surprised that Rob didn't choose this, but it's a culmination of moments. First, Batman, or Batman, Batwoman calls the challengers of the unknown, the Power Rangers, and then later they show up in a fucking Megazord. I thought that was beautiful. That made me giggle. Made my yeah, day. that was pretty funny. All right, everybody. That is it for the main show. Thank you so much for watching. We will be back next week covering all of DC's weekly releases. Same geek time, same geek channel. So we are going to get out of here. You too. Have to as well. Be careful out there. And remember, in the Geek Matrix, everybody has a home. In the Geek Matrix, you are not alone. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs>